got that bass running through your brain, in your veins, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Remember, it's not how far, it's not how fast, it's how frequent. Get out there, be consistent. We're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week. Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Blue Apron and Brooklinen. They bring the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games, and there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who's beginning to look a lot like Christian, Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. We are done. Uh, our tree's up. Our wreath is hung. Our lights are are up. We've decorated gingerbread houses already. Like, it could, wow. it's, uh, it's it's Christmas. We actually already had You're New ready. Year's. Bring on Valentine's Day, I've I guess. I've given up on my New Year's resolution. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Also, you are beginning to look more like yourself because your 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 stash is gone. My stash is gone. Uh, raised a little bit of money for St. Jude's and then donated more to Movember and One American Appeal. So it's always it's always good. I well done. I almost kept it for till the end of the year, and then my I asked my girls. They're like, "We like it." And then my wife was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Yeah." Yeah, well, I th- you know, ha- having seen it uh, a lot uh, over the last month, I- I'm going to side with your wife on this one. Okay, but okay. Uh, you know, it's good that, to know that you can grow such a robust thing on your face. Yeah, it's like hearty tomato sauce. It's good when you want it; you just don't want it that much. <laughs> That's right. Hey, we got a great show for you today. We got games, lots of games to talk about. Some new games, some games that have been out a while. Uh, the exciting end of the year games. We've got some juicy tidbits of news to to work through we have got bonus content bonus table time com- content that i'm really excited for i actually got to uh have an interview with one of the creators of the seventh continent which has become one of my favorite board games in the world really amazing interview like one of the, my favorite interviews i've ever done so that'll be at the end of this episode so stay tuned for that but we also have an awesome guest you know that DLC is always your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because once again, DLC stands for Destiny's Longtime Champion. Because you know him from Game Rant and Film Fracture. He's our go-to Destiny expert here on DLC. Returning champion, Anthony Towermina. Hello, Anthony. Hello. Uh, I have a cat, so I cannot decorate for Christmas. <laughs> oh, you, the cat will destroy it all the cat will i mean he's he's not one of those you know like directly vindictive types of cats but he will see the indirectly vindictive. you know like the ones yeah, everybody knows but he but he likes to play so if he saw things dangling from a tree i'm sure he would knock them down and the only ornaments i really have are like precious ornaments i'm not at that you know stage of oh these ornaments i could give or take them that most of them are like treasured heirlooms <laughs> right, right. Well, that's sad. Your your cat is literally the Grinch. In a way, yeah. <laughs> well, rest assured, we will bring the holiday cheer and we will talk about games in the holiday season and we will start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. 
Wait. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit. That is 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, also, fun people hanging out in the subreddit. A uh, good place to go talk about games, talk about the show, talk about whatever you like with cool folks. So I urge you to give it a shot. Check it out. Anthony, you are our guest this week, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, I mean, I'm here for a very specific yeah. reason. So <laughs> uh, I will say that this, you know, I, I'm a, you guys brought me on. Huge fan of cereal. Love cereal. and all right, No, basically, it's a big, giant week plus worth of uh, of developments within the Destiny community. Uh, or Destiny 2 community now, culminating in a very lengthy blog post and a podcast, essentially detailing what the developers are going to do to make the game better for players. Yes, we we talked last week on last week's episode about some of the craziness involving this XP kerfuffle that, that sprouted up among the community of uh, people finding out that XP was not being reported after level 20 in the same increments that it was actually being earned. You were actually earning less XP than you were supposed to. And Destiny uh, 2 devs came out and said, we don't like that either. We'll change it. And then they ended up having levels be double the amount of XP. There was a lot of upset people, a lot of criticism, uh, a lot of controversy. There had been scheduled a big uh, stream, a big live stream from the devs. It was sort of their last big live stream before Curse of Osiris, which hits uh, next week. That it was or Curse this week, of this week. Reddit Iris, I think. Was the- nice. Nicely done. Who would have thought? Yeah, very good. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so they canceled that stream and did instead a blog so one-way communication rather than two-way communication. And uh, I'm very curious, Anthony, Yes, what your take on all of this is. Were you one of the people that was upset about all of the XP reporting? And do you think that they have done enough to rectify that? And what did you think of the state of Destiny 2 blog? Okay, lots to unpack here. Um, so yeah, the XP thing... Um, I feel like the XP thing was something that was actually known, but it didn't really become an issue per se until the most recent Clarion call event, which is basically Bungie's way of saying like, hey, we're going to give you double XP so that you can earn uh, the bright engrams, which contain cosmetic items like uh, emotes and shaders and ships and ghosts and stuff like that. We're going to give you a way to get those faster because season two is going to launch alongside Curse of Osiris. So a lot of that stuff is going to go away. So they wanted to say like, you know, if you want any of these things you can, you know, ha- you have a better avenue towards getting them. They even added two of the most popular emotes that never entered the Eververse um, inventory. They added those like at the last minute this week so that people could buy them if they had um, enough bright dust. But yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a, the intention was to give people a lot of XP so that they could earn bright engrams, but but then a lot of people thought, well, how does this XP cooldown that we've known about affect it? And so I think there was, uh, you know, not a lot of, of knowledge about it, but eventually it kind of became easier to um, show evidence for it, to be able to say, like, look, here's what I'm supposed to be getting XP wise and here's what I am getting. And there was a great disparity between that. And there's a there's a huge 
you know, XP cooldown, especially for quick activities. So yeah, Bungie basically came out and said, this is, this is real. Um, we're removing it, but we're also doubling the, the XP you need to actually get a full level. So that was kind of iffy. And, and it, it basically was a, um, kind of fuel for the fire of the people that didn't really like destiny two's end game to begin with were very critical of it. So it gave them this path of like, okay, this is, this is like, you know, the, the nail in the coffin. We're going to use this. Yeah. This is what we're going to kind of blame. Smoking gun. Yes. So yeah. th- there was all, all this unrest surrounding the end game and all kinds of different other stuff going on that I think people were frustrated about, but this was kind of like the, you know, the thing that they were able to say, like, look, you have admitted you do this and you didn't even say why you did this. You know, you didn't come out as Bungie and say like, basically a lot of the community wants them to come out and just say like, we don't want you to earn things too fast, but they're not going to say that, but that's what it feels like. Um, So at the same time, while this kind of unrest was growing, they had one more of those streams scheduled and the stream was supposed to be focused on gear and nobody wants just this fashion show when there's a lot of problems with the game. You know, a lot of um, active members in the community said, if Bungie, if you do not talk about quality of life improvements during the stream, I'm done with this game. And it was kind of like a, you know, a growing sentiment there as well. And a lot of active streamers who help promote the game and, you know, they don't get paid, but they're they're It's like their main game on Twitch, for example, they were saying, look, you know, you need to say something. This stream just can't be a fashion show. And I think Bungie <laughs> knew that. So then Luke Smith went on Twitter and said, look, we'll have something to say uh, after the stream. And I think that's the podcast that went live after the blog post um, between him and Mark Noseworthy, the design lead. And, um, but even then people were like, I, I don't know if this is going to be good enough. So yeah, then Bungie said, okay, canceling the stream and we're going to put together a blog post that completely, you know, is transparent about what we're working on, um, and when things are going to release, um, you know, long, you know, when, when things that we're working on, we have release windows, but all of that said, this, this very comprehensive blog post to me, uh, does not. And I think a lot of people uh, in the community would agree. It, it doesn't do much to change my feelings about the end game and the problems that exist in destiny Two. It really is just kind of, it to me feels like the type of thing that you would introduce into a game after like several months of beta testing, but the game has been out for several months, not beta tested. Um, so what do you mean by that? You mean, you mean it's just uh, like little like incremental things, you know, they're like, yeah. well, instead of giving you five tokens, we're giving you six tokens, something like that. That's obviously not what they're doing, but little t- tiny things like that. Or we're seeing that people are frustrated with, you know, um, going after uh, mods. So we're going to sell some mods as well. It's like, they're just tiny changes. You know, they're not, they're not, none of them are game changing uh, tweaks. And that is a huge problem because for, for most people, they think that there are some fundamental problems that need like some complete rewriting, like the, the weapon system being focused on kinetic energy and power, or the mod system itself doesn't feel very, uh, customizable or rewarding. There are just so many things about the game that they really need to go back to the drawing board with. And they, they didn't in this blog post. It's a lot of like, well, Here's a little, you know, here's a little kind of half step or a quarter step. And it's, yeah, it's, 
What about this this feeling of transparency? I mean, in the in the blog post, they said that they felt they betrayed the expectation of transparency that you have for Destiny Two. That's a quote. Uh, and also, quote, we have begun that work and will continue to provide updates to you about timelines and specifics. Going forward, we plan to continue this dialogue as openly and frequently as possible. This will be an ongoing process, but one we are committed to. Do you do you feel like transparency is part of the problem? And do you have confidence that this is a change in their approach? I do feel like, yeah, transparency has been a huge problem uh, for Bungie, especially because since the game has come out, there's been, you know, this week at Bungie posts, they do them pretty much every Thursday. There's been, you know, uh, some misses for holidays and whatnot, but a lot of them come and go without any discussion of like a lot of people's frustrations. Like there's a whole, I know a lot of us play PVE only, but there's like a whole PVP community that was, was dying in destiny one for, private matches and some sort of ranked system. And then destiny two came out without private matches and no hint of a ranked system. And so you have this community that can help sell your game to esports or just make your game, you know, entertaining in, in self-made tournaments and things like that. And there was no talk of that. You know, people had to like look for tiny details. Finally, they actually addressed it. But yeah, I think that there was a lot of just like, Maybe it's it was a case of I, I don't really know, but maybe it was a case of them like not being able to say a timeline because they don't know, you know, like I think yeah. one of the biggest faults uh, with Destiny 1 and now Destiny 2 is that Destiny 1 released and there was there were all these areas where it could improve and people were like, I like the foundation and I but I think it needs areas to improve, but they also have two DLCs planned for the rest of the year that they need to be working on. So it's, they just don't have, it doesn't seem like they have the the manpower to both, uh, you know, dedicate all these people to the live team, to making the game better and put out substantial DLC content. And unfortunately, curse of Osiris doesn't even seem like it's that substantial. Yeah. Uh, Christian, you, you are still playing destiny too. We'll, we'll be hearing about that. I think, during your playlist uh, contribution, but how do you feel about this, this notion of transparency overall? Uh, Do you feel like more transparency is always better from a game dev? Or do you think that perhaps uh, it's unrealistic from a gamer's perspective to expect uh, game developers to be transparent with their plans for these ongoing games? It's hard as a as a fan and player you want transparency. I I listened to the the podcast they put out uh, after the blog post twice actually, once on the way to work and then once on the way home cuz I was like, "Oh, let me let this digest and then listen again." You can't just stay at work. <laughs> no, I I got to come home and what am I going to listen mean, to? What else is there to listen to? I mean, well, you burn through things quickly when your commute is what it is. Um <laughs> when you you're 4 miles from work but in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, no, you have to tell me. Um and and so you want transparency, but what one of the points I think they brought up on the podcast that is, I think, sometimes maddening, but accurate is we want to tell you things, but sometimes we don't know. And and what harm comes from saying, hey, we want we want to do this. We're planning to do this. We think we're going to do this. Um, and then if that stuff doesn't happen or it comes out two months later or um it comes out and is bad and there's this whole you know 
wide range of things that can happen in game development in between what they want to make, what they can make, what they will make, and what they do make. And then when you're a large company, part of an even larger public company, what you're putting out into the world in terms of what you're going to do and when you're going to do it can have major ramifications um, for funding and for your share price and stock price. And you know, businesses and whatever, it's a whole, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't want to get into like, well, they need our money. Um, but I, I understand. And even just from an, an artist that creating something standpoint, where like, I didn't announce when my second album was going to come out until it was close to coming out or available. I think like to pre-order on iTunes until I had that date locked in place. Cause I didn't want to advertise something and then have that date be wrong but what if someone only heard that date and then they go to itunes or google and they look it up and it's not there and then they're angry and they won't look again you know imagine if like star wars was like coming out december 14th and then like just now they're like well no the 40th uh that's not a date you know what i mean though i was thinking of movies that have done it nailed it (laughs) movies that have changed their dates but it happens much earlier half this month (laughs) 40th we're coming out the 40th of december and the audience is like i was thinking of 40 day delay it doesn't matter but imagine if they did say the 40th Um, oh that would be great the audience is like wait when are we i need to pre-order what what i can't when they announced final fantasy 15 they're like it's coming out oh no it's coming out one month earlier and they're like no it's coming out the 40th i mean it's coming out the next, <laughs> I will, it's coming out I will the next month on the 10th my, <laughs> yes. my, 40th of december my third stand-up album is coming out march 40th so you can look <laughs> march um so I, uh, I i understand and i feel bad for them but as a consumer or fan of the game it's, it does feel a little ridiculous that you're not able to – it's like, come on. What has happened? You have to see all this. You had to have been aware of it um, for months before the game came out, right? Like you're smart people. You had people beta testing and internal testing the game. Like so I don't I don't know what the answer is, uh, but I understand where they're coming from. But I also, as a fan, become very frustrated when you're just – you feel like you're, you're left dangling in the wind. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard because the nature of a game dev is game development is different than any other medium, most other mediums that is. And and that's things are iterative, you know, things change. And so you being transparent one day feels like you're lying to someone the next because you were you were being honest that time when you said, "Hey, we're going to put that cool feature in the game." And then the next day when they're like, "We can't put that cool feature in the game," <laughs> or that cool feature wasn't as cool as we thought it was going to be. It sounds cool on paper, but when we put it in the game, it didn't really turn out to be cool, so look we at, didn't put it in the game. Look at No Man's Sky. I don't think they were lying to you. I think they wanted to do all that stuff. And all we know about that game is what you know the Jurassic Park trailer, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that game got torn to shreds for for that. So it's hard. It's hard. It is. Um, one bit of positive de- uh, Destiny 2 news, though. Uh, I love this idea that now you can control your ghost using your Amazon Echo. I, I love this. I love this. I love this. Uh, it is, they've added hands free voice command features to Destiny 2. You download this new skill for your uh, Amazon Echo devices, and then you can do all kinds of stuff. You can ask uh, about lore and talk to your, it's, you ask your Echo, but your ghost in the game answers you. And it's like over a thousand custom voice lines just for this feature, all done by Nolan North. You can also um, My understanding save is loadouts. This doesn't, 
happen in the game. This is just your echo talks to you in a ghost and Nolan North's voice. Correct. Yes. My understanding is it's the game. No, no. I, I believe it's so you, it's either your echo or you can buy a a actual ghost attachment for the echo that will 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 talk to you. But it doesn't talk to you in the game. No, I don't. I, I should have tried it. I it, haven't downloaded it. it echo you yet. affect. You can save loadouts and stuff and change your outfits and stuff in the game. It affects the game. Well, you, yes, that's like the it app. Does affect the game. Yeah, but yeah, the, yeah it's, I think it connects to the like Bungie app or the Destiny app. Um, uh, either way, sure. I think it's cool. And and I mean, the thing I, I did a rant on this on newest, latest, best, my daily video game show, and I think this is just more proof that. Microsoft are dummies for taking the Connect away from their consoles. They were just ahead of the game. They were just a little too early to this voice command, personal assistant in your house device revolution that's happening. And now these companies are coming up with these, you know, workarounds for it. And you literally had the console that does that out of the box. You had the thing there. It's it, it's crazy to me how an, an iPhone 10 basically has a Connect shrunk down to a little strip on the top of it and all these other devices are trying to put connect style voice uh voice command features in objects they had that and they were just too spineless to stick to their guns and double down on connect and understand how cool it was instead of it just being this flail your arms around device that it really was actually neat and could have been a differentiator for their console in this generation but no, nope, we had to bow to the people that think it was lame and because they were waggling their arms around. I would argue so frustrated. voice control is maybe a neat thing, but I would argue that what your so-called shrunk down connect in your iPhone 10 does is still stupid. <laughs> right now? Yeah. Talk to me in a year. Yeah, when the iPhone 11's out and your 10 is outdated. Well, no, but, but what I'm saying is, yeah, my 10 is outdated. The 11 has the, they've put the technology in the 10. We are at, at the precipice of, a complete revolution, a new paradigm shift in how we interact with software. Because for since software has existed, it's been a one-way street. You figure out how to use software. Software is there, ready to be used, and you're figuring out how to use it. Now, software looks at you, and it's a two-way street. You're figuring out how to use software, and software is trying to figure out what you think of all that. What's happening with you? What's going on? That could have been the Connect. That could have been the Xbox. That could have been, that revolution could have happened where video games were watching you just as much as you were watching them and changing and subtly uh, evolving and, and reacting to how your body language, your heartbeat, your facial expression was affected by what's going on in the game. It could have been the first two-way street video games. And now they're too stupid to have done that. Apple will be doing that. And all of these apps that are now going to perceive you will completely change the way software interacts with human beings. Huh? I don't know if I agree. I also don't know if connect could have done all that. Um, Why not? Cause if you the, use the, connect the, <laughs> did I use connect? It, it, it was, it was a software problem, not a hardware problem. The software was in its infancy and they aborted it. They smothered it in the crib because people were like, this is dumb. Instead of realizing the potential Those were, that was uh, there. Overly graphic uh, uh, analogies for what Microsoft did to the Connect. <laughs> they disemboweled they it. They scrapped the, it. How about that? How about this? They scrapped it. <laughs> they, took a, they took a butterfly knife. You know how butterfly knives work? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, that's gross. Uh, Anthony, are you are, are you gonna use your? Do you have an echo? Are you gonna use your? I echo do not have an echo. Yeah, I have no interest in this. This is uh, 
I get that I'm the destiny guy, but yeah, it's not going to, you're not controlling your ghost with your voice, man. I mean, all, you're the, all the things that it says it can do, it doesn't really seem like it's not, uh, I don't know. It's not like it doesn't, I have a lot of, uh, apps that are already set up where I play. So I, I don't feel like it's going to be able to do anything special for me. seems cool. You know, it seems like a thing that a, a wanna, fan could have, but yeah, definitely not. You don't want to have a conversation with Nolan North? Uh, I mean, I, I've talked to Nolan North before. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that interesting. He's a nice guy. He offered me <laughs> peanut M&Ms once. Um, Fair but enough. yeah, it just, uh, I mean, like changing loadouts, you know, things like that, or or looking where your clan members, those are just not the things. Uh, if, it, if it could be, if I could say like uh, ghost, get my nameless midnight out of the vault. I don't think it can do that. If it could do that, you might convince me, but I don't think it can. I think it, it's similar to that, right? You, 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 uh, give it, you have these loadouts and you can, but well, know, yeah, the, but know. see the loadouts I have, you know, I could just like, I could click a button right now on button. my PC and send me a, my raid loadout or whatever. Uh, yeah. But clicking a button is, that's so true. But then you're going <laughs> to, you're going to be clicking a buttons anyway on your controller or your keyboard and mouse. So yeah, I, yeah, I get, I get the appeal of it. It just, yeah, no interest. Anthony, I've noticed your facial expression has gone sour because you've been pushing so many buttons. Exactly. Please allow me to help you with all of your loadouts. It's going to say, hey, Anthony, do you want me to despawn these ads from this raid boss fight because it's so laggy and broken that you just <laughs> want it to be over with? I think it goes like this. Anthony, you're asleep. It's three. Do you want to play? <laughs> Come on. That's Christian's. Uh, just that's your 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 ringtone that he has. On I will phone. say that I liked connect uh, or the Xbox one connect. And I used it a lot. Uh, Me too. When I had it, you know, pass through to, you know, TV and volume and stuff. I, I, I definitely agree with you in the sense that like that, it, that is a cool technology, but yeah, forcing people to pay for it when they maybe didn't want it was the problem. Yeah, well, fair enough. All right, Christian, what is your story of the week? Nintendo. Okay. No one's gonna help me out Ariel? with that. Come on, guys. Is, is there a is there a, is there a jingle that I'm not aware yeah. of? You don't know the Nintendo cereal jingle? No, I don't. No. What? Sing it. It goes like Nintendo. It's a cereal. Nintendo. That's pretty much it. That's the whole thing. Oh, that's uh, a terrible jingle. I know. Swing your arms from side to side. Come on, it's time to go do the Mario. That's no, what I know. No, this was the classic 80s Nintendo cereal commercial. Uh, it's back, baby. Uh, Super Mario cereal, that is, wait for it. You don't just look at the back of the box. You mash your box onto your controller because it's an amiibo. Cereal amiibo, Jeff. I I think this is cool, dude. I think this is cool. You say that no, like I'm, you think it's lame, but I'm, it's cool. How, what? This is the best thing. I heard the tone of it's your voice. Of, I mean, yes, ultimately it's lame, but... I'd rather have a amiibo that I get to eat sugary cereal out of than one that just sits on a shelf and gets dusty. I think this opens up a whole universe of what amiibo can be. Amiibo can't isn't just toy figurine. Amiibo can be your shirt or your glasses or your your whatever. A poster could be amiibo. Yeah. Your friend Larry can be amiibo. Anybody can be amiibo now. You got to get this little, whatever it is, RFD chip thing and whatever, and you tap it in and you get fun little bonuses. And yeah. cereals have been selling, you know, their sugary 
milk uh, leftovers <laughs> to kids for years, at least since March 40th. And bringing it back in a way that adapts to or is not just now you have a little Cracker Jack prize in the bottom of the box that you're it's interacting digital with. digital Cracker Jack prize. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I like it. And I'm sure I will buy at least one box of this and be like, oh, the cereal is not great, but this is fun. Anthony, you think it's lame? very lame. Uh, you're lame. It's it's just I don't even know what to say. It's I I think the what's cool about Amiibos is that they like you know they're pretty well designed. They you know you don't even need to own a Nintendo system and you can own an Amiibo and they look. Yeah, you can anyone can, can buy cereal. You can have this cereal. You don't yeah. need a Nintendo. System. Yes, but <laughs> is the cereal actually going to be good? Who th- who here thinks that the cereal is going to taste good? Do you like sugar or not? I mean, I enjoy sugar, but I'm not a big cereal fan. It just, yeah. I mean, if somebody had said to, or if they had come out and said, like, it was the Amiibo was going to do something that was significant, it adds gold coins. Well, the Amiibo this never is, do anything significant, though. This is where <laughs> I no, am completely Amiibo, The Zelda Amiibos, like, there's a, one of the Amiibos gives you Epona in the game. One of the Amiibos yeah. gives you Master Sword. In, in the Skyrim on Switch, you can get... Link's outfit and the the shield and the sword. It's yeah. This is where I am in complete agreement with you, Anthony. This is where it is lame. Is it is only hearts and and gold coins? Come on, you. This is, this is a complete 1. missed, 0, Jeff. This this is a missed opportunity. No, 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 no. This is a missed opportunity because you could have had this give you a Mario milk mustache. Sure. Yeah. One hundred percent. Right? You could. It could have been a a cereal bowl hat. There's, I don't know yes, about there a are so many Mario ways to apply the, to apply it and make it exclusive. Make it something where people actually want this cereal. He could have just been soggy all the time. You know, this is, this is a start. I'm sure if this is successful, there will be more, and they'll have even and they'll raise the prices, and you'll have limited editions or do whatever. What stops them from doing it? Right now, yeah. yeah. Put an outfit in the game. It's nothing to make Devel- a Mario outfit. Yeah, but there will, a there will be mustache. more. But this year they released their two biggest franchises. What are we gonna get? Like, wh- what's on the horizon? We're gonna get some Metroid. I'm cereal? sorry that a company is giving you something fun and you're poo pooing it because it's not fun enough. Get out of here! You're telling me you don't want to eat the Metroid cereal? I mean, I would. I would Come be on. more interested. But what I'm saying know. is, are is that like me? you can't say, "Well, oh, this is just the start." No, this is the. We may, knowing how Nintendo works, we may never see a Zelda or a Mario game on the Switch again. <laughs> hey, Jeff, I'll eat the Metroid cereal when you play the actual Metroid game, jerk. It's this not, that's not enough incentive. Not enough incentive for me to play the Metroid game. <laughs> that would require me finding my 3DS, <laughs> which is somewhere in my house. Um, guys, you ready for my uh, story of the week? Something to do with cereal? No. Uh, guess what? Polygon named its top 500 games of all time. Polygon.com, top 500 games of all time. And guess what was number one? Sounds like the they number one game. 500 games they, they counted down. Guess what was number one? Just guess. What would be, I don't know, as someone who's listened to DLC for four years, if, if, if that's you, if that describes you out there, what do you think would be the number one video game objectively of all time that we have been saying, I personally have been saying for four years on this show, before that on Weekend Confirmed, and now here comes Polygon, these Johnny-come-latelys with their top 500 list of all time. They're running down the top 500 games. Guess who agrees with the old Jeff Meister? 
Polygon.com. Guess what that number one game is, guys? Jump rope? It's not jump rope. It's not even a video game. I don't oh, know. You only if... said top 500 games. <laughs> video games. We're talking <laughs> about video games. 500 best video dash games. Uh, I mean, I video I dash it's games. It's Tetris. You're damn right. It's Tetris. So does this Tetris. help or hurt your argument? I think it, it's case closed. I've read some I, of the comments on some of those Polygon reviews, Jeff. I don't know if the audience, if this helps you or hurts you with them. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, Polygon, we did we did your research for you four years ago. We did. That's we had true. a we had a a comprehensive, well sourced March Madness style runoff of all the best games of all time, and the winner, undisputed winner, was Tetris. Well, it wasn't actually Tetris. That that was skewed because we had audience voting but i instilled the fact that it should have been tetris and therefore i i think that we we were there we arrived first sure. yeah I've, I'm, I've sent polygon a cease and desist letter um in order Good to job. take their list Thank down you. or pay us money so i like it but that's not my story of the week uh that was just uh that was merely my story wait, of the week wait diversion. your story of the week was destiny 2 supporting amazon echo no no, no, no. That's just something I brought up. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> My story of the week is uh, is VR, y'all. Uh, several VR stories that I'm going to lump into one. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? VR is doing really, really well. It's doing really, really well. In fact, Q3 2017, cumulative VR sales topped a million units. Not only that, but PlayStation VR on uh, I think on Black Friday they said uh, they sold as many units as they did uh, on on launch day. So PlayStation VR crushing it right now. They have the the biggest um, biggest portion of the market, and uh, we we can surmise using some deduction based on those statistics of them doing really well on Black Friday that. Uh, they're in about the 2 million install base place, which is not too shabby at all for, you know, this being the first year it was out. And uh, VR as a whole in one quarter, a million units sold uh, Q3. This isn't even Q4 where we had all these, uh, you know, all these holiday uh, incentives. But Q3, they had a bunch of those price drops and things did really, really well. Uh, 21% of sales uh, in Q3 to Oculus Rift, 16 percent to HTC Vive. Uh, PlayStation VR had uh, the lion's share of, uh, of of sales. And I think the fact that the price point is finally going down, there's a lot of great software out there. Uh, this is really, really great. And on top of that, Sony is now offering this try, try the well, PSVR on, on your own face. They offered. Yeah, past tense. It, it, but that's good because so many people signed up for it that they had to uh, shut it down. It is good. So, it's a good way to do it. Yeah. So the idea that, you know, which I've been saying for a long time, that you kind of have to experience VR to understand how, how cool it is. You can't really see a video or whatever. Um, sounds like Sony understands this. They allowed PlayStation Plus members to sign up for uh, the ability to try it at home. You get the PlayStation VR bundle sent to you with uh, Skyrim uh, VR as well. And the PSVR demo disc 2.0, and you can keep it. If you like it, you keep it, and you pay a $2.99 for all that, which is a pretty great price. And if you don't like it, you send it back. Um, all of this very good positive news for VR, and I'm thrilled. 
thoughts? <laughs> I think it's good. I think, you know, there are good games out. Hopefully more are coming. We'll talk about uh, a VR experience that I had recently. Um, I still owning two headsets and not regretting either purchase. I, I still feel I off uh, 98% of the time, 99% of the time, I prefer to game outside of VR. Um, you know, it is very much a 1.0 iteration of it, and I hope it will get better. But th- there are just uh, just enough impediments, and the games are just not there for me personally yet to make this be like when i think about playing games i think about playing vr instead it's like oh i guess i should try this thing in vr versus i really want to play this game but i'm glad it's doing well because i own two of them so (laughs) anthony i know you're not really on the vr train either but uh i think this is i think this is cool news all the way around and i never was going to be you know this light switch of everybody converting but the fact that it's strong and it's solid and it's consistent and it seems to be continuing a uh, undercurrent of momentum i think uh, is a positive thing for the industry as a whole do you disagree with that um i mean yeah i I think that it, it definitely i would love to see uh you know more innovative games that use vr it just yeah like you said i VR for for me I have a PlayStation VR and I uh was lucky enough to to play with a Vive for about a month when it first came out. It's it's a fun technology, it's a technology that I think is really cool, but it's not the type of thing that for me uh I tend to play a lot of games and I, it just like the the barrier to entry for me of like you have to make sure this the situation is ideal, um you know, you have you'll start playing a game and it'll be a little wonky and then it instantly ruins it. I am kind of just, uh, I, I want them to stick with it because I want eventually for us to get the improvements we need like wireless and, and, or true wireless and, and better resolution and better detection and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, I'm in the camp of, I have a PlayStation VR. And when people say, what do you think of it? I say, eh, don't, don't get it right now. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. A lot of people are getting it right now, though. It's true. So that's good. Hey, uh, I think VR is a game changer. You know what else is a game changer, guys? Hmm. Our sponsor, Blue Apron. Uh, I got to tell you, Blue Apron has changed my game, my personal game. And by game, I mean life. And by life, I mean it's amazing. I love Blue Apron. If you've heard me talk on the show uh, for any period of time, you know that I am it's literally my favorite sponsor. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but it, I I begged Blue Apron to sponsor the show because I wanted to just jump from the mountaintops and tell people about it. I've gotten like all my family into Blue Apron. I, t- I talk about it at every dinner party I go to. I'm like, who's you guys use Blue Apron? I love Blue Apron. My wife and I have been doing it for like three years now. We adore it. We eat better. We eat healthier. The recipes are awesome. I think we've had maybe one or two repeats in three years. That's an incredible amount of variety. And they're delicious. I mean, half the time, the stuff that we're eating, my wife and I turn to each other and say, if we had ordered this in a restaurant for you know $25, we would have thought it was a great restaurant we had to come back to. And yet, we made it ourselves at home for 10 bucks per person per meal. That's that's just incredibly affordable and wonderful. And I feel like I have leveled up my own 
cooking skill, which is extremely satisfying and gratifying. I love the fact that I know how to chop stuff now and I kind of have a sense of what goes into things and how to do certain things. And I've just accumulated that because of Blue Apron's amazing, simple, easy to follow recipes that are full of pictures and just are so well written and really break things down very easily. I'm not a guy that knew how to cook before Blue Apron. And now I feel like I do have that skill set, and that is so cool. It feels so awesome. In fact, I've been saying this every time Blue Apron has sponsored our show, and I'm finally going to do it. I I want to tell you some of my Blue Apron tips that I have learned. One is, the thing that's cool about Blue Apron is they send you just the amount of ingredients that you need uh, for a thing. So if it calls for an egg, you get one egg. It's really cool. There's no waste. There's no stuff going bad in your fridge. It's just the amount of ingredients you need. The one caveat to that, the one thing that's not true is they always give you, if if a recipe requires any garlic, they always give you an entire clove of garlic, which means you almost always have extra garlic, which means you have the ability to do my number one Jeff tip, which is double or triple the amount of garlic they call for. I think that improves the recipe so much and I love it. I always double, if it says two cloves of garlic, I'm putting six cloves of garlic in it. it and it, I love it. I think it is such a great way to just spice up your, your uh, recipes. So use that tip because it's cool because you have the extra garlic in the box. Uh, but everything else is just what you need and it, it, it's, it's so awesome. So you get these things delivered to your house. It's all the ingredients you need. You cook them yourself. I love it. And we're going to give you $30 off your first dinner. Basically, Blue Apron is treating you, DLC listeners, to your first dinner on them. It's it's amazing. All you got to do is go to blueapron.com slash DLC, blueapron.com slash DLC, and sign up. Try it. $30 off your, your it's a it's an amazing thing. Try it. You can cancel if you don't like it. I bet you it's going to change your life the way it changed mine. This is really, really great. These are amazing recipes and they're so fun and it will improve your life. Blueapron.com slash DLC. Anthony Taormina, I'm so pleased that you're here this week because I am not playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2. But I'm very curious. I'm Xenoblade curious. Yeah. Uh, the new Switch role-playing game that Nintendo has talking been talking about for a long, long time. This is their big uh, role-playing game for you know, giant role-playing game release on the Switch. What do you think of Xenoblade Chronicles Two? So far, I'm I'm really intrigued by it. Uh, I will say that if you are not a fan of JRPGs running at 100% JRPG, um, just this game is not for you. It's, it's not a, you know, it's not a final fantasy that's trying to be a little more uh, approachable. It is. I I don't want to like get into too many specifics, but you know, like uh, women with uh, larger than normal things, uh, you know, (laughs) you know, there are, there are some, you know, some, some very Japanese JRPG, that's just says Japanese twice, but there are some Japanese things going on that I think, yeah, are going to turn off a lot of people. But for me, I'm a huge fan of just like personalities. Those, re- those really, <laughs> I'm a, I love personalities, but I'm a huge fan of just like those 
you know, grindy JRPGs. And this game is very, very grindy. It's very focused on uh, accumulating a lot of what are called blades, um, which are kind of like, yeah, they're, they're basically like, I mean, it's a bit reductive, but they're basically like Pokemon. Ah, right. Uh, you know, so, uh, they they're they give you different abilities and the combat is not like uh, turn based in the sense of like you know you have your party aligned and an enemy you can move around uh the area and you basically auto attack and as you attack you build up meters for special abilities that do different things and at the same time your blade is hanging out with you um and sort of building up your connection with them. And then they too can like trigger their own abilities that have maybe some buffs or debuffs or elemental attacks. And you could switch uh, the blades on the fly. And then you have other party members that just kind of do their own thing as well. You, you only control uh, the one character that you choose to control. But I think overall having only played like maybe five or six hours of it, it still is going into tutorial mode. So I don't know how deep the game gets, but it's very uh, involved. It's very much like one of those games where you are going to be going out and trying to complete as many quests as possible to accumulate these blades uh, and and build out your party in the way you want. Um, And on top of it, I think the story is very interesting. It it has a, has a kind of, um, uh, you know, like a, it's like you're watching an anime type of thing so it has like those twists and turns and some some kooky characters and some 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 questionable questionable ones as well but i i think overall if you are a jrpg fan and you own a switch you should definitely uh play the game it's gonna be a great game to take on the go and just grind out some quests that are not going to be super like you know involved or, or require your full attention and i think that that's really what drew me to the game is that it's it's a you know kind of hd jrpg that i could take on the go and while i'm i don't know waiting for somebody to be done with something i can do a little bit of grinding are you done with that what whatever you're doing are you done with it (laughs) i mean i didn't want to be specific (laughs) i don't leave my house a lot so i don't actually wait for anybody so (laughs) theoretically are you done it's nice not? to know that you what could the, be waiting for someone. What are the, you know, when people, when people are waiting for other people as they are want to do. You know how humans wait for other people? You know, you know, you know how a, a regular human person would do I mean, a thing? You order Domino's and you see the Domino's tracker and you're waiting for it to get there. You can Correct. play here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's the, uh, what's the combat system? Like you said, it's not turn-based, right? It's so, a um, you, you're controlling, you're controlling one guy and it's, it's a straight auto attack. So, um, you, you engage in combat. And then as long as you're sort of in range of an enemy, you're just going to hit them with your sword or whatever weapon you have. And then that is, uh, you have, uh, basically four attacks, um, programmed to the face buttons, and each one of those is kind of building up a meter as you as you either take damage or deal damage. And then you can use those to uh, some of them will do things like, uh, you know, be focused on side attacks or back attacks so you can position yourself or they will. Um, there's one attack that I have that basically will pull a potion out of an enemy for healing because um, your character doesn't have their own healing ability early on. Um, and then on top of that, yeah, you're, you're building up this connection with your, your blade 
and then you can use them to like i don't know call down a fire attack and then you'll do some burn damage on the enemy so it's it's more of a I don't know. It's you're not you're not as active as you m- might think. It's kind of like MMOE. You know. Yeah, it sounds like it. I was thinking I'm running around in circles, waiting for meters to fill up. That sounds like wow. It is. It is. It is very MMOE. Like you could you could literally just walk up to an enemy that you're stronger than, and then you know look away, and then look back, and they will be dead. Hmm. That's um, so you check on the person you're waiting on. Are you, and are then you, you check on the person yet? you're waiting on. Nope. Nope, I'm not done yet. Oh, look, not my fight done. just I just ended victorious with my fight. Um I I'm not hearing th- anything that makes me want to rush out and grab this though. It, it feels it, it, it's it feels like a game that's made it's preaching to the choir, right? It's made for people that already 100%. love these games, yeah. It's it's for it's it's not going to, you know, it's not like Final Fantasy 15 where they're like, you know, you know how these games are somewhat impenetrable for people? Well, this is the game to, right. you know, make it more No, this game is from the very beginning, you spend, you fight one monster and then you spend 30 minutes in a town talking to people and having them explain like, oh, here's how this works and here's how this works and here's how this works. So it's, yeah, it's going to be one of those games where if you, if you dig on that, uh, it's, it's going to be right up your alley. I can almost guarantee it. But if you look at a game that, that it like the, trying to think of like a good, example like the dragon quest games if you look at those games and you say no 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 those are never going to be for me this game is never going to be for you yeah yeah i feel like it's not going to be for me but i appreciate that it exists yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean it's it's not gonna it's i i think both of you are not interested in this genre and you're you're never gonna play this game. i, am I mean interested i'm interested in waiting for people to do things though you love true. waiting for people and especially you got you got to wait until the 40th though until they're ready. <laughs> uh I I like this genre insofar as it's it kind of does when when they, you know, like a Final Fantasy 15 when it's trying to sort of be a little bit You mean that grander. game you didn't finish? I definitely did not finish that game, but I enjoyed some of it. Uh yeah, but you know, who who finishes Final Fantasy 15? Nobody. I finished Final Fantasy 15. All right, so somebody. <laughs> I love these games. Uh once I, I have do, loved. I do I enjoy yes, I do enjoy the games, so yeah. I did not I did not say I love these games. I said I I appreciate these games when they're trying to do something a little different. There there That's are right. games in in the genre that have grabbed me before, but they typically yeah, this, aren't. Yeah. This game is not trying to do anything different. There there is a scene, it's you could probably look it up on YouTube where you you know, it's like a big moment where you encounter a character and there's a lot of significance and then you're just looking at how large uh her chest is and you're like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. This ruins everything." I feel the same way about anime. I, I used to front like I was a big anime fan, you know, in high school, but it wasn't that I was an anime fan. I just liked the animes that were like the best of their best in class. It was like, it's not that I like anime. People who like anime, like watch a lot of garbage anime or not garbage. That's, that's harsh. Just like sort of middle of the road anime, right? Yeah. Those are the people that love anime. They just love the form so much that they want to watch all of it. Kind of how I am with superhero movies. You know, like I'll watch all the superhero movies, right? Some of them are good. Some of them are bad, but most of them are, you know, decent. But for anime, like I will watch the best of the best. I will watch your name and Akira and, you know, like the best of the best stuff. I'm yeah, I I like it because it's it's good. It's not just because it's it's that's the genre. It's like it would be good no matter what genre it was. Yeah. Yeah, this is this this is one of those that this is an anime for it's got anime running, you know, with your hand with their hands spread backwards and colliding swords and 
guys with weird masks. Yeah, it's if what I am saying to you sounds in the least bit appealing, this game is 100% for you. If even just like a sentence I said makes you go, ah, oh, it's one of those games. Yes, it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Christian, you want to talk about Destiny 2? Yeah, so Anthony uh, brought along a group of group of folk again. I ran the raid with him and his well-oiled machine of a crew before, and friend of the show, Rob Kreckle, wanted to experience the raid, and we were trying to do it before new content dropped. And they're not introducing a new raid, but they're kind of, it's like a new room or tweaks to the existing raid. Anyway, I wanted to try to get him through it before um, the 5th, and Osiris came out. So Anthony got a nice little strike team together. Rob and I jumped in and then one of Rob's friends also jumped in and um, we played about four hours, Anthony, I think last night. Uh, No, I would say maybe two and a half. I think it was longer than that. I don't know. Uh, We did not finish. We might try to finish tonight recording Sunday. Rob might want to try. We'll see. But what I wanted to talk about the the game as it leads into new content coming out and where it left off and all of the stuff that um you know they had said they're trying to fix about the game i personally i got my character i have one warlock on playstation 4 that is uh level 300 and then i started playing again on pc and i forget where i am on pc um you know maybe uh whatever what uh What's it not power level? The thing through the campaign that you unlock your rank, I guess, whatever that is. I'm like halfway through the campaign. So 12 or something like that. And it's fun, but I kind of found myself jumping off to play other games, this, that, and the other. But listening to the podcast that Bungie put out and reading the blog post about trying to appease people with like in-game content. And we realized there's a problem. And Anthony talking at the beginning of the show, some of the issues the game has and some of the things that people are, uh, the hardcore fan are trying to have changed in the way Bungie described, like they're trying to please three audiences, like the casual, um, the something else, and then the hobbyist, like the person who just comes in and plays a campaign, maybe doesn't finish it. The person who comes in and does some end game stuff. And then the person that is upset that weapons are pre-rolled and there's not enough in game content and they want to play this game every single day all the time. So uh, yeah, from- I agree with Go ahead. you. That's, well, a, I, that's a difficult number of masters to I, serve. I think basically what they did was they made a, an, a game that was initially going to please the hardcore because, you know, it was new content and be appealing to the casual. The casual was going to go. And then now now they've be, they're faced with a situation where the hardcore, the people that play it every day need stuff to do. They need things to grind for. They need reasons to come back to the game. And those don't exist. Right. And and but so for me jumping back into the game having played on PC <clears throat> a fair amount of hours but going through the campaign again but then jumping back into my main character on PS4 and running the raid again like it was fun. We played for a long time. I had a, the whole thing was fun. Uh and I guess because the so game So your number 2 category. I maybe. That's the thing. I guess because the game is trying to please this you should be able to play it every single day type of uh, audience that they run into problems because it's not a sport. I guess the closest thing to it is PVP, but it's this weird thing. But that's what any any MMO is. Every MMO has these, this problem. Every single one. It, you and, know, it, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Like having again diving into it again and playing again. I knew going into the raid, I wasn't going to get anything, any reward. 
um, that made my character any better, but that wasn't why I was playing it. And, and why, why do we need that? Like, I know, uh, Jeff, you're a big MMO player and is just the act of the thing not fun? Like, I don't understand this. I had some, I had tons of fun. I would play probably every day if friends wanted to play because it's golf or whatever, right? But what is this association we make in our heads of requiring this stat to go up or this, you know, dopamine release, uh, <laughs> it's most basic primal level that instead of just going out and playing the thing and your skills are getting better because you're playing more and you're better at getting headshots or whatever it is, like, so, Jeff, I'm curious for you as an MMO player, why do you think or do you think you do need that constant other reward? And then Anthony, as you know, the de- a much bigger Destiny player than I am, bouncing off the game, is that a bad thing? Well, you're talking about you're talking about, you know, oh, just getting my skills better. That, that's what PvP is for, right? That's that's why pay, people play PvP in video or, games. Or horde mode. I mean, it's the same There's thing. No, yeah, but you're you're never going to be challenged on a skill level from AI, at least not right now, you know, maybe, maybe in a few years when the AI takes over. But um, at this, at this point, you know, you, that's what human beings are there for is, is if you want to get better at your skill, that's why PVP exists in games. And that's why I think people are so upset that there's no ranked mode in the crucible, right? There's no, in in destiny Two. there's no, there's nothing for them to shoot for on that score. Right. But the other thing is if you build in a construct that says this game is about acquiring stuff and you acquire all the stuff, why do you play the game? I mean, that's, that's the, that's what has, and but I then you're only playing it to acquire the stuff. And then, that's the point. That's the game. Yeah. That, that's I what mean, that said. is, that's the that rules. Is, I mean, that has always been destiny. Destiny has always been about acquiring the stuff. So why don't they then just make one thing that's literally, you know, Darth Vader? Why was Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker? I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to say, okay, it's a bad analogy, but like, why didn't it Destiny just put in Luke Skywalker? <laughs> you know, like the thing that no one's going to get. Good luck. Well, that's that's what this is the exact problem that you're talking about with regard to these three silos of types of player, because the third silo is always the problem. <laughs> it, it, with every single game there's the the world's first guild that beats your yeah. new content in 14 hours after it was released and they're super excited and then they're like now what do we do and you're like well we worked on that for eight months to give you that content that you beat <laughs> in 14 hours so i don't know you know and and those people also are the most vocal. Those are the people that are the most, they're the smallest percentage of your player base, but they're also the most vocal. They're leading the charge online of criticism and demand, but they are also probably the people that give you the most money, right? They're the, they're the people that are a big chunk of why you make the game because they're the most loyal, they're the most passionate, they're buying the books and the mugs and the shirts. But are and- they ever happy? Is there an example of them being happy? No, <laughs> I mean, like, I I think like game, there are some games that do it better than others. Uh, I think Warframe is an example of a game that does it really, really, really well. And they, those, for some reason, Digital Foundry has figured out a way to to please their player base in a way that that many don't. Because there's um, this talk of going to this game service platform, and that you know you need ways for people to continue to check in with your game and microtransactions to sustain things. But I feel like the stories that go alongside of those publicly are people being upset about them not doing it well and everyone being frustrated and 
uh, the people that bounce off the campaign are going to bounce anyway, and they're not going to care. And then your most hardcore, at least the vocal hardcore, are always just yelling at you. And it seems like damned if you do, damned if you don't. Like, oh, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't get it. Well, it is damned if you do, damned if you don't. But hopefully, in there, there's a lot of joy for people, and uh, you know, and you can have the these kinds of things that are, you know, I think World of Warcraft, which happens to be the game I'm. I think I have the deepest knowledge base in this regard on uh, they figure out ways to do stuff that isn't essential to you. I mean, obviously there's armor sets and stuff that people strive for that are hard. And, and that's the case in destiny as well, but they also have like mounts and weird side things and, you know, leveling up your professions. And there's a lot of busy work and daily quests and stuff to, to grind all those things up that are, intentionally very time consuming. And that is literally just to give the most obsessive fans stuff to churn on and not to feel like there's nothing to do today. There's no, there's no carrot. You got to have carrots. I don't, I mean, I loved the fact that I had tons of fun with destiny too, and then was able to walk away from it. But I guess I am not the, you're not that third silo. Yeah. Anthony, do you, the, the game was never, the game was never, you know, like, um, was like even uh, even at its like early destiny one days the game was never um you know good about balancing the casual and the hardcore i think the the main issue is that over time destiny one had developed this blueprint for okay well here's how we're going to approach rewards and here's how we're going to approach progression and here's how we're going to promote the grind and they had something that most people agreed this is actually a pretty good way of approaching it game super rewarding you want to grind hardcore you can grind hardcore and you can always feel like you're getting something maybe it's not the things you want but you're always getting something and the only real kind of missteps in in year three were largely based around the fact that the PvP meta was really discouraging. It, ha- it focused on maybe a handful of weapons and nothing else. And there wasn't anything story-wise to go after. So there was the assumption, okay, well, Destiny 2 is going to deliver that story stuff and build upon this blueprint. But instead, Bungie said, hey... We have to do things different. We have to make this game feel different or else we're going to get these criticisms of people that weren't into Destiny 1 are then going to go play Destiny 2 and say, well, this is just the same game and I didn't like that game. So they introduced the mod system and they introduced fixed roles on weapons, which I think is perhaps the biggest mistake they did. And which just means that when you get a weapon, that's the only version of that weapon. Correct. Whereas in Destiny 1, you could get a weapon that had explosive rounds, or you could get a weapon that would do, you know, Correct. damage well, on crit. So damage your, on your cr- raid cr- weapons and your, and your Iron Banner weapons had some kind of rotating perks that they could have, and then you had general, like, Vanguard um, drops as well. But yeah, they, they completely eliminated that so that once you have that weapon, once you have Nameless Midnight, once you have Alone as a God, once you have you know, sins of the past, you have the only version that exists. The only difference is, you know, the prestige uh, armor or something like that has like a different color scheme, but you also can just swap that with shaders. So it, it really didn't give the hardcore players a reason to, okay, I've done my nightfall strikes. I've done my raids for the week. And now I'm just going to grind this activity because I want this weapon and I want the perfect role. Every weapon is just, it has that role. And so I think it's a huge problem for the game 
in general because like somebody like me who played 100 plus hours of the game, I have probably 85, 90% of the weapons. Like I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm done. I have the one, but in destiny one, even in year three, there was still something where if somebody said, Hey, if you could have one weapon drop right now, what would it be? I could always name something, you know, the next thing. Okay. Well, I would want an, an IS Luna with this on it, or I would want, you know, a, a this or that with these specific perks in, in destiny two, there's nothing that I want. So do you think the game is worse because you have everything you want and so you could still go play all the content, but you're not going to get anything that you want out of it versus Destiny 1 where you're still, again, playing the same content, Correct. but you might get something that you want, but I'm um, editorializing now. But if you're being honest with yourself, it doesn't really change anything about how you would play the game anyway. Sure. Just, well, you, I mean, you, you need an excuse at, to play. At the end of the day, like if you want to just step outside of yourself, you could just say it's a video game. None of this really matters, and that. But I mean, no. Well, but Christian, Christian, have you ever played like Texas Hold'em using M and M's as currency? Oh yeah, I usually have to get a bad tummy ache. Right, it, it, it's pointless. But right? I, you ever have the friend who's like, "Let's just use dimes." It's like, okay, I'm all in. You know, it's it's that kind of situation. It's like, yeah, the the game Texas Hold'em is fun. But I think the way it's built requires stakes. And in this case, the way Destiny 2 is built requires some stakes. And if there's no stakes, then it seems like a pointless activity. Even if but there's M&Ms, so why do you need stakes? Oh. Well, Christian, I feel like you don't have experience. Like Jeff, I think, can more relate to what I'm talking about because he has experience doing what I'm talking about. In other well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not trying. I'm just curious. I'm, that's again. I, so the reason I brought this up in, in playlists here is because it's what I'm playing and I'm, I'm excited for um, Osiris coming out. But I, th- I guess I am. I guess I'm that I'm that happy middle player that stuck with it a lot longer than other people. Didn't ever care that I couldn't play it every day because I'm playing something else. And when I do, when I did go back and play it again this week and, you know, raided for whatever it was several hours, it's awesome. Like I was like, oh yeah, this is great. And I didn't bounce off because I wasn't still earning stuff. Um, it was just, I think I had other things to play. Yeah. I, I think um, that's, that's just, that's can that's your, what you're coming to the game for is different because you're saying you're excited for curse of Osiris. I would say a large portion of the community thinks that Osiris is going to be very disappointing. Hmm. Yeah. You're just, you, you, I mean, the, the truth is you're more casual than the people you're talking about Christian. And that's, I that's am. fine. I'm a jeans and t-shirt death. I mean, player, you, I did guess. The, you did the raid the one time where we carried you through the raid. And then your second time <laughs> doing the raid was last night when we were trying yeah. to carry you through the raid. <laughs> yeah. This hey. game is really fun when all the other people did all the work to get me. Yeah, yeah, so it's just it. like, I, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm going to play the audio clip uh, of Jeff saying he's definitely going to raid in destiny Two. insert here. Uh, I didn't, I do a thing. I did a thing. We didn't tried, the, thing we tried the nightfall. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, did no thing. Right. You did no thing. You're like level 240. You did no I'm going to should I do the thing? But we can talk about another game. I don't want to dwell on. I know it's an old game but it has new content coming, but as I was diving back into it last night, I was like this is really fun. Uh I'm going to be talking about this whenever we do our favorites of the year. <laughs> like I really like this game. That's um, a good game. But then I hear I hear when I when I try to like listen to shows that are still talking about it, it's just heaps of criticism and I feel like it's this can't win both, situation both of things can be true sure. yeah, yeah of this evergreen game though feels like 
a tough business, I guess. <laughs> it is indeed. Yes. I want to talk about Doki Doki Literature Club. Are you guys ready for this? Okie dokie. So, if you listened last week to our, our show, uh, we had Australian Nick Robinson. And if you know anything about Australia, you know that uh, things are a little different about down there. Uh, it's, a, it's a different kind of lifestyle. But he he screamed from the mountaintops about Doki Doki Literature Club. He said, uh, one of the best games of the year, uh, mind-blowing, life-changing, must-play, right? Uh, so what did I do? I downloaded it during the show. Hence the poor audio quality of last week's episode. Uh, but I I downloaded it during the show and I immediately played it uh, this week. Uh, played through the entire thing. And this is a very difficult game to talk about without spoilers. Uh, very difficult. Because it is a game about subverting a genre. It is a game about delivering this very specific genre of game that I've just never been interested in. And I'm sure there are lots of people that are interested in it. That genre being romance simulator. So there's this sort of sub genre of, uh, can we just rom- announce full spoilers? Can you just go full spoiler? Anthony, would you mind? I can, we'll, we'll go. We'll I've, get I've to watched a, a full stream of the game so you can. All right. Well, I'll, I will get to a point where I will then say spoilers and people can fast forward, but I will, I will talk non spoilers up until that point. So you are safe for now, uh, if you guys want. By the way, Doki Doki Literature Literature Club is free on Steam. There's no reason not to play it. I think you can probably get through it in about four hours, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Um, And I would say overall, for free, it's an interesting experience. Uh, I kind of wish, Christian, you had played it so we could could hash it out. I think you would hate it, but uh, (laughs) I I still – I'll pass. (laughs) Now even more I want you to play it because of that. Uh, But um, so non-spoiler version is it is a a romance simulator. These these games that are very anime uh, where you are wooing multiple invariably uh, high school age girls uh, who you are, you know, trying to manage the kinds of things that they would like and tell and them you run for Senate. Like. like, where does it go? What's the subversion of expectations? No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. That's not, yeah. Sadly you would. Yeah. Sadly. Uh, this doesn't take place in Alabama. It takes place, uh, in Japan somewhere. And, um, you are, writing poetry in this game using words that you think will maybe work based on your interactions with these girls. The actual mechanics of playing Doki Doki literature club is mostly reading. You are mostly just reading text on a screen and pushing uh, a button to advance to that text. It's not, there's not much more than that. There are very few actual decisions to be made in this game. It's mostly just a short story that you're reading. And I will say it is not a poorly written short story. It's a bland port, uh, short story for, for a large portion of it. Uh, very bland, uh, but it is of that genre. And for being a game that is entirely written, it's not, not poorly written. It's actually pretty well written. Um, so there's that. It's not, it's not like it's a chore to read it. I was falling asleep uh, during it. And to be fair, Nick Richardson, our guest last week, had said uh, the first hour is awful. And he's not wrong. The first hour is awful if you're not into romance simulators. But the game is constantly giving you just little teensy little 
hints that there's something else going on. There's something more there. There's little tinges of, well, that seems odd. That was a little creepy. What's that about? Uh, so there's, there's always this thing happening under the, under the surface. And because of Nick's recommendation where he said, you know, just play for the first hour and then everything changes and you'll love the game. I was kept waiting. Like, was this the moment? Is it happening right now? Is this happening now? You'll know when it happens, <laughs> but uh, it does change. And when it changes, it gets more interesting. I sat up in my seat and I was now paying attention. But even after that point, there is a lot of the game that is still really bland and really dull. And you're playing through things that you've already experienced. So take that with a grain of salt. I think the game does some really interesting things. And there is one legit puzzle at the end. It's really the only quote unquote puzzle in the entire game. It's not really presented like a puzzle, but it works out to be a puzzle. And that puzzle is so brilliant and so different than anything I've ever had a game ask me to do before that I give the game a lot of credit. And I think it's why people are shouting from the mountaintops about this game, because there's a moment where you do a thing that is really cool. So we can talk spoilers if you guys really want me to, but suffice it to say, I did not feel the same way Nick did. I, I did make a major mistake, which maybe I can explain to you in our spoiler section, uh, that I think would have made the game seem way cooler had I not made that mistake. Uh, so maybe that has something to do with it. But I do think the game is an interesting experiment. I think it's clever. Uh, I, I think it is... The, the comparison that I made on, on Newest Latest Best when I talked about this is, you know how if you watch like um, a near-future science fiction movie or a horror movie and you're waiting around for the cool hook that was the reason you bought your ticket to that movie. Like, you know, I'm waiting around for Freddy Krueger to show up because this is a Freddy Krueger movie or I'm waiting for the moment where the aliens land in the backyard. But the movie has an hour of like, let's get to know our heroes and their home life and what, what, how nice they are so that you, it establishes all that stuff before the cool stuff starts happening. But you're sitting around going, when is the cool stuff going to happen? That's this game. And it's very important for it to establish this baseline of who these characters are and what your relationship is with them and all that stuff before the cool stuff starts happening. But it is a slow burn and there's a lot to get through of just clicking through dialogue before it gets to the cool stuff. So I can talk spoilers if you want. It's up to you. I, I am. I mean, I, I, I guess I like things that have a twist or a, a reveal or whatever, but also like, I don't know if I need to spend an hour to get to it, you know, like two hours of my time. I'm never going to play this game. So I am a okay with you going full spoiler. If you think people on the podcast want to do it, I would say, let's just set like a time or when you do show notes, you know, mark it. Yeah. So it's, it's very clear when we come in and out of it. Let's just say well, I'll talk about it for five minutes. Okay. Okay. Starting now, so it's, so it's fast forward five minutes uh, if you if you want not to hear any spoilers. Okay, so you're talking to these girls, and at a certain point, the game starts messing with you, uh, and they start talking directly to you as a player. And there is a point at which a one of the girls commits suicide, and then you reap. You have to. You all your save games get deleted, and you have to restart the game and play through again. And you're playing through the exact same situations, except the girl who committed suicide isn't there. 
So it's cool, but you're also like literally having the same dialogue, but just the, the fourth girl isn't around. So you keep waiting for something else to happen, but you're literally like going through the same hour plus game to get to where stuff starts being weird and stuff's really being weird. And there's like glitches that happen on the screen and strange dialogue bits, but it's few and far between still where the game is the coolest. And this is the spoiler. So be aware. I'm about to say the spoiler for the game. Okay. At a certain point, one of the characters completely takes over and talks directly to you. Now you start the game and it asks you what your name is, you know, and like an idiot, I put in Jeff. I should never have done that. They ruined the game for me because I just put in my name. You normally I would put in a weird name, but I didn't, I put in my name. And at a certain point in the game, it addresses you not as your character, but as you, it like searches your hard drive and finds your username. You put in your character name as Jeff. Yes. So it says, Jeff, I'm talking to you now. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know you've been talking to me this whole time, but other people were like, you know, their character name was like, you know, Gandalf. And then it was like, Christian, I'm talking to you. And it was like, holy shit, what? That didn't happen to me. Mm. That didn't happen to me. So that I missed out on that. Okay. But the game starts breaking the fourth wall and talking to you. And then you get put in this limbo state where you, if you leave the game and come back to it, you're one of the girls like wants to be with you forever. So she keeps you in this place forever. So you can exit the game and come back to it. And she's still just sitting there waiting for you. Right. And the only way for you to get out of this, again, this is this is the spoiler, but the only way for you to get out of this, and the game doesn't spell it out, but the only way for you to get out of it is literally go into the directory of the game, find there's a folder called characters, and you literally delete her file from that folder. And once you do that, she ceases to exist and the game, and you basically win the game. And it's a brilliant moment to go. I literally had to go in and edit the files of this game in order to break her trap that she had laid for me. She she trapped me in this limbo state. And in order to break that trap, I had to edit the game file or delete the game file as it may be. Really cool. But it's one moment that takes like four hours to lead up to. So I, I think that is a cool, cool thing, but perhaps not enough to blow my mind. In, but maybe my mind would have been blown if I hadn't been an idiot and just put in my real name the whole time. So who knows? Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I think that always is a fine line in fiction uh, or any story you're telling is how much time you spend with characters before you go for a payoff. Um and so maybe this spent too much time in that world before it, it went for the turn, like what it worked for 20 minutes in this story. And then they start putting the screws to you or whatever. But I, I, I'm curious to hear about like, you know, next year or a couple months from now, the more behind the scenes stuff about this game, like a free game on Steam and it's getting talked up. Like, you know, where, what do they do next? Where does this team go and, and what happens and stuff like that? It's cool. It's ambitious. It's clever, right? It's just um, I think it's one gimmick that is done very, very well. Uh, but also I wish there was more to it along that road. I wish it hadn't been such a bland experience up until it's cool, you know, and maybe, maybe my, my entire, you know, relationship with this game was wrong because I, I came to it knowing something like if you literally were, were like a fan of 
of romance games and you downloaded this game not knowing anything, I think it would be mind blowing. But it's, you know, as it stands now, it's just like this. I was waiting for it to be anything other than what it was <laughs> <laughs> from from what I because uh, my kind of like uh, approach to the game is I saw a bunch of people on Twitch streaming it and was like, OK, why are all these people streaming this game? You know, visual novels are are cool, but they're not, you know, they're not that popular. Why are like all these big time streamers? And so, yeah, I watched somebody stream it and it was definitely it almost kind of struck me as like a a frog fractions situation. Yeah. There are a lot of people in chat saying, you know, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then you understood the other layers, but without really knowing that some of that stuff ahead of time or having somebody explain it to you, I might've just been like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Interesting game though. I'm glad I played it. Uh, it, it was interesting. Um, um, real quick before we kind of leave, this came in the chat, the Twitch chat, X Salty One, just about like destiny, just like playing a game to be fun. I think this is a great point and one that just I didn't say isn't whatever uh, I wanted to put get on the podcast. There are lots of types of gamers, and let's say the group who thrives on thrills is playing PUBG, Daisy, H One Z One, Fortnite, etc. And then you game for reward, and Destiny is a reward based game. So when I was saying, why don't you just play the game and have fun? There are millions of people playing games to just play the game have fun but yeah they're playing games that don't have any type of like loot progression system where you're literally just well want to play the, a fun shooter go play a fun shooter this is the point that i made to start though what's the commonality between all the games you just listed you're There's playing against games? you're playing against human beings yeah I, uh, I don't yeah i guess Fortnite before the patch or the other mode the you know whatever i don't uh, i feel like i was one of eight people that played Fortnite before the patch that's what i mean right and that was that was meant to be against ai that was kind of the horde mode version of it yeah, and it wasn't super popular so yeah interesting uh all right um i know uh, anthony you had another interesting game that you wanted to bring up what is hq trivia uh so hq trivia for anybody that uh it's it's taking the world by storm um so I don't know if either of you were big fans of one versus 100 back when I know there, it has a lot of <laughs> on the Xbox. Yeah. Yes. It has a cult following uh, lots of people that would love to see it come back, but essentially this is like uh, an evolution of that, but on a grander scale and maybe not as fine tuned as that, but basically it's a uh, mobile app that uh, basically activates a live game show uh, every day uh during weekdays it's it's two times a day and during the weekends it's it's the one time that it always is which is uh 6 p.m pacific but on the weekdays there's also like one at noon pacific i think or maybe earlier than that but there are 12 questions uh there's a live host it plays like a video almost like a facebook live or a periscope video and then a prompt pops up with with multiple choice answers to the question and you have about 10 seconds to answer uh, and if you get it right, you continue. And if you get it wrong, you're out. And if you make it through all 12 questions, you actually get a share of a prize pool, which is actual money. You can, you can win a share of, it's typically a thousand dollars. If nobody won one day, then they roll it over into the next day, but it's typically a thousand dollars. And so if you're, you're typically like, but between like one and a hundred or so people, um wait one versus 100 again oh you're yeah <laughs> well well in, in one versus 100 it was like you were winning like xbox live games and stuff and but this is this is this is 100 you're winning cash you can put in your paper. illegal 
like might, how does this it might be illegal i don't know it's, it's <laughs> taken off right now and a lot of people like i played today at 6 p.m and there was 350,000 people playing dang um it, that's about what's here on the twitch chat right it, now though, it's so. it's an insanely popular game right now and it's 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 really fun for me to just get like random trivia and you see like okay well how do i stack up against these people uh, you know it tells you how many people picked each answer and you see how many people are left and the numbers dwindle and dwindle um, is it the kind of thing where you can't quickly Google it or is they have like a time? It's 10 limit? seconds. You you, yeah, you could yeah. maybe, you know, have other people around and have like a think tank type of situation. You could ask your Alexa ghost maybe. Fast, fastest fingers. You, <laughs> your Alexa ghost. And it, well, it's, it's also extremely laggy because they don't have the infrastructure. <laughs> they have the infrastructure. This all sounds very on the up and up, I have to say. It's. I guarantee you, if you have, though you both haven't heard about it, I you will you will have heard about it at some point. Well, you heard it here first. Um, at least we did. It is it is it is crazy. I I, I just I, it reminds me of one versus one hundred. You, at the notification comes in at six p.m. and says it's time, and I get on to HQ. It's time, and I play, and it's you know sometimes I'm out by the third question, sometimes I'm down to like the tenth question, and I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it's it's really fun. It's the pop G of trivia games. It is, yeah. In a HQ way. trivia. What are you playing it on PC? No, you can play it on um, Android or iOS. It's a it's oh, a okay. app. All right. Cool. Uh, let me tell you now about Christian Spicer's sheets. I know them very, very well. Christian's sheets are my sheets. They're Brooklyn and sheets. That's not because we sleep in the same bed. It's because we have both have the same great taste in sheets. Right, Christian? And we sleep in the same bed. Also, we sleep in the same bed. But only on weeknights and weekends. Right. Um, <laughs> Brooklyn and sheets. Uh, man, I'm so pleased with my Brooklyn and Sheets. Are you pleased with your Brooklyn and Sheets, Christian? Yeah, they're, they're literally uh, our most heaviest rotated sheets. We have three pair, three sets, sets. They're not pairs, they're sets, three sets. And when the other sheets are on the bed, it's it's like, a, oh, <laughs> Christian needs to do laundry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have that luxury. Uh, Brooklyn and is luxury bedding. I mean, honestly, the difference between regular old scratchy sheets and luxury sheets is huge. Uh, in fact, I've gotten addicted to it. I We took ours out of rotation. Like there's no rotation. There's Brooklyn and sheets and then there's wash and wait to go to bed until the Brooklyn and sheets have been washed. Uh, and these, uh, these are, these are incredibly nice sheets. Um, they have an exclusive offer with us, by the way, you can get $20 off and free shipping. And all you have to do is use our promo code DLC at brooklinen.com. These are sheets, uh, that come with an, a 60 night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty. So they're pretty confident you're going to love them. They are really high quality. They're simple, beautiful, uh, home essential designs. They have the ones that we got actually are, um, gray lines, uh, gray stripes on white. They look really, really sharp. Uh, they make our, our bedroom look really cool. They are less expensive. They have over 12,000 five-star reviews. They named one of the best online bedding. Oh, they were named the winner of the best online bedding category by good housekeeping. These are great sheets. So why not give it a shot, upgrade your sleep, uh, sleep with Christian. I mean, like Christian. (laughs) 
by going to brooklinen.com, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Use that promo code DLC and get yourself $20 off plus free shipping. That's pretty cool. Brooklinen.com, the promo code DLC. Despite everybody's lack of enthusiasm in the story of the week segment about VR, we've all been playing VR this week. And that's because it was a gigantic release. Doom VFR, VFNR, uh, was released on both PlayStation VR and on Vive via Steam VR. Uh, when it was first released, it did not support Oculus, but that was patched into Steam VR. Beta. Uh, beta, correct. You have to opt into the beta in order to get it to work, but it does work. And uh, we have all been playing it. So let's start, Anthony, with you. You were, I assume, were playing it on PlayStation VR. Yes, I played it on PlayStation VR. Um, I did not have a good time with it. Wait, oh, control no. schemes or scheme? Uh, the Using the... the Move? Yeah, the move. Couldn't think of what they were called. Yeah. Uh, is there another control scheme? You can do the aim controller and you can do a dual shock for I hear they're all not great. I did, yeah, I did the I um aim would be I think aim would be so good. But it doesn't let you do what you think you should be able to do with it. Uh, what's what should I be able to do with it? Uh and well, shoot. Well one, the game was built around dual wielding, like literally oh, your yeah. character is dual wielding and here anyway, yeah. Yeah, uh, I it, I didn't have a good time with it. I found it very clunky. You know, I don't I don't know. Like I have a PlayStation VR versus, you know, some people playing on, on more hardcore technology. I don't know if it's a limitation of my space, my lighting, my whatever, but yeah, I just had some, some situations where my hands were not were in the right place. And it, I don't know. The game doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like it gives you uh, everything I liked about doom is not present in this game. Like I like the, the momentum and the glory kills and stuff like Ugh. that. And I don't, I, I don't feel like it gave me that. Oh, uh, it's so, so unfortunate because that is exactly what I love about it is that it does give me that. Uh, oh, really? I think it's phenomenal. Christian, did you, what, what is your feeling? Uh, so you can watch, I have 40 minutes. I've played a little bit more than that. Maybe an hour or 20, something like that. I have 40 minutes archived on my Twitch and it's also on my YouTube, which is just Christian Spicer 713. Uh, my Twitch is just my name, Christian Spicer. So you can see my first 40 minutes with it. Oh, it is disappointing, but I also, so maybe, maybe this is that you're the only one playing it the quote unquote pure way. I was playing with Oculus with touch controls um, but I also don't have a huge VR space. You've seen my, both yeah. of you, I think have seen my, my office where I game and it's not, it's, it's right not next sh- to your bed with Brooklyn and sheets on it. It's right next to you. And you're like, come to bed. And I'm, I'm like, like one more level. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, not huge, but like, you know, I've done, um, a drift and that other raw data and, um, the other red people that I like super hot, like all of that's worked fine. Um, And for this game, I agree with Anthony that I would much rather play like it's, it's fine. It's not bad. It's fine. It's, it's fine. But like the, in order of playing doom, it goes doom 2016 on PC, doom 2016 on Xbox or PlayStation four, doom 2016 on switch, maybe OG doom on a Pentium 286, And then like doom VR, like it just, 
it has like all of the, like the the music is still there and like when it's intense it's like and in doom 2016 i'm rip roaring through a room just going gangbusters on whatever i want and just like dashing into the action because that's what i need to do to get my health regen and then you know doing a glory kill when it on the big enemy but doing that also to re uh load up my ammo are you not just, doing that in vr it's so slow, Jeff. It's so what? slow. When you have to pause and it literally goes into slow motion so that you can teleport to move somewhere and the music is still like – and you're just like, where am I? Okay. Yeah, Doom what, Doom for me was always about like, you know, oh, there's a guy. Okay, I'm just going to run around and I, it just – yeah, it's – it doesn't even – you pick up the little whatever, the little orange ball and you can't even like, you know, he pro- doesn't even properly crush it. <laughs> that was a, that, you're right it does not crush the orange well. i don't let you hear the sound of it yeah crushing. you just like tap it with your finger you're like and then power it, up it just yeah. Uh, I, yeah i just feel like the momentum was so slow and half the time i teleport and then wonder like where i am and like i agree you can't what? really turn. i agree 100 well see you guys are both playing it on front facing only right yeah I, yeah i have two uh not full room scale i have two monitors for but I, I feel like yeah you need this game i bet plays a lot better in a huge room where someone is managing a cord for you like i don't you have, have a huge room i don't have a man cord manager you built a cord manager you literally built i'm like not a, using that anymore really but i did build that <laughs> <laughs> that was the old house. I, don't, I didn't set that up here. Spinning around like 360 because there's no way with touch controllers or the Vive controllers to like turn you. Uh, you have to like actually turn, or you can teleport around. It's yeah, it's uh. And then I had another friend. Also, I should say I got a code. I got a code for this game. And then I had another friend who was playing the PlayStation Four version, and uh, he sent. He said, uh, "This is using the AIM controller." But I've never felt queasier playing a VR game. Like my forehead broke out in sweat. Couldn't do it. You guys, I have had so much fun with this game. And the thing that I can't believe is how kinetic and balls to the wall they managed to make it. Like I am zipping around, popping in and out of slow. I don't stay in slow motion forever. I don't know why you guys would stay in slow motion. You pop into slow motion long enough to line your reticle up to the glory kill guy, pop over to him. There's uh, there's stuff being shot at you all the time, so you're using the dash. The way it works is you have two kinds of movement. You have um, you have teleportation, which you can teleport really long distances, actually. Or you have a quick dash, and I'm using the quick dash constantly to dodge out of the way of projectiles coming at me. But I am and I am uh, shooting, shooting, shooting a guy until he turns his glow, like like in you know the glory kill, the glory kill, and then you. You teleport and it does go boom, slow down for a second. You aim up your thing and you shoot over to him. But I'm zipping around the battlefield. I'm circle strafing on guys with my dash. I, I'm blasting stuff. The game looks awesome. It's kinetic and crazy. And, and I'm like – I feel like a god. That's the thing that I was most worried about is that Doom makes you feel like a god because – you are just like tearing into dudes. There's, there's no, I'm hiding behind this, you know, this cover until the best moment to shoot a thing. Nah, not in Doom. In Doom, you're like, blast you, punch you, run over here, smash this, get behind that guy, kill you. That's how I'm playing this game in VR also. And it's extremely fun. Huh. For, I'm just shocked that you guys, I mean, it, it may have a lot to do with the fact that you're just playing on front facing stuff. Maybe. Um, I don't, I, 
I when I when I finished playing, I, I didn't play it that long. I played it probably a little longer than Christian did before. I was like, nope, not for me. I, Which is maybe half the game, right? It's not exceedingly long. Oh, is it? I watched some other people play. You know, like uh, watch some Twitch streams to kind of like see. Okay, am I? You know, what's the difference between what what experience I'm getting on PSVR versus what people are getting on you know more high end tech. And they, a lot of them were having the same problems I was having or, or feeling like, you know, I, I don't know if they weren't using room scale or, or whatnot, but yeah, just, it, it just doesn't seem like, I don't, VR just uh, to me doesn't seem like the, the technology that can blend well with a game that has like, I mean, this is, I think Doom is like one of the fastest paced games I've played in a long time. And VR is very like, you know, teleport. And then here I am. No. No, nah, I mean, yeah, that's that's not how I play Doom. It's not how I play Robo Recall. It's not how I play um, uh, what's the other oh, Raw Data. I mean, the, the, all three of those games are incredibly fast paced. But I guess what? You, you I said they're better. Count than Doom. that that yeah, Jeff. You are like a VR pro. You like basically live more of your life in VR than you do in the real world. So maybe, but you have to like ste- take a step back and say like, well, what about somebody who's just like, well, I bought this VR headset for Doom VR, but you're like, well, I know teleport. Teleport is, you know, it's it's in it's built into your brain now. But to somebody else, they might be like, well, what? Uh, oh, I'm going here, and then I'm okay. You wouldn't say that if you were a VR construct in my <laughs> simulation <laughs> true. world. True. Uh, I feel like this game. Um, one Doom 2016 was one of my top five fave games of the year. Thank you to oh, I should have had their name called out, but on our subreddit, someone went and compiled all our past ones. That's awesome. Uh, it was not on yours, so I kind of like I'm just talking about Doom here. And two, um, while you're not you like it better than me, and therefore have I like the original of... better than you. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and so maybe that's why I don't like this as much, but you also like VR more than me, which is why you maybe like this more. Um, You also, not that everyone else's reviews are right, but after I played it, instead of watching like Anthony, I went and read about it and you feel like an outlier. Like everybody else, I feel like it's like seven, six, seven. It's like, it's, it's fine. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to, it's not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say it's, you know, um, um, What's the Cloudhead game? Uh, it's not um, Call of the Star Seed or something. You know, it's not like one of my favorite VR games. But I think I just—it's a blast. It is so much fun, and I—I I didn't want to stop playing it. And I was, I was, I, I just couldn't believe how kinetic and crazy and fun it was. But it also is just a shooter. You know, it's not like it's reinventing the wheel. So yeah, I'd probably give it a seven or seven and a half, eight. You know, but it's not—you know—it's not, you know, not going to be game of the year for me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fun. I went into it with really high hopes. Again, Doom 2016, one of my top five of the year, one of my faves of this generation. Uh, and I feel like this game is, to me, and I'm probably being a little dismissive, I'm a little poo-pooey, but it's like, it's not as good as Raw Data. It's not as good as Super Hot. It's not as good as uh, that other one you said, um, the other one, uh, to Robo Recall. Like, there, there are things, I think, that use the tech better that are also just shooters. I agree. I had very I high expectations that. for this game. I, I would put Raw Data and um, Robo Recall ahead of it as well, for sure. But I, but it but it doesn't mean... I would also put Robo Recall and Raw Data ahead of Doom on the, you know, 2D Doom. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> so, I, no way, no way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure for me, but yeah. Um, but, but it also, it looks great. Uh, they, they do a really cool thing where you, like, go into a room and you can, like, pick up the in-game models and hold them in your hand and check them out. And uh, a lot of fun, cool things. I mean, it's very much not just a port of the game. It's, it's its own game. It's its own scenario. It's 
I know. I, I thought it was great. And I'm sure I'll just get, oh, you're a fanboy VR. But it, it really, I was having a blast, man. But you it's, are, and that's okay. I'm so glad the Astros won the World Series, but it's just Jeff, I'm a fan like of the World Series. You know? if, you have the, if you have the tech to record it, you should record yourself playing, and we can compare it to Christian playing, and we can see the differences. Maybe. Because I, I mean, I watched some of Christian <laughs> Christian's playing. tripping over himself. Well, no, it just, like, at Christian playing felt like me playing, where I was just like, oh, yep. I'm here. I do want to see Jeff. You got to stream some VR because we will get the reverse of the No Man's Sky Jurassic Park video. Like Anthony and I playing will be like, eh, uh, uh, eh, uh, uh. and then Jeff's playing is yeah. like fully scored orchestra. John Williams is <laughs> conducting. I don't know. I mean, it takes so much to stream VR games, right? Because you have to like get we a don't camera on yourself. Necessarily need to re- re- stream it. You could just record it. Just record me yeah. without knowing what's happening in the game at all. Well, that's how, yeah, that's how I recorded. Is it, it yeah. looks like that, but you definitely get the sense of like it. It looked like I when look, I was playing it, it was like very like I would look like this, like the Star Wars kid from that old uh, meme. You no, know, no, no, I can me set in the you room. I can video you of you playing, not you playing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, well, that's Doom VFR. I just love that Bethesda is supporting VR in such a big way. I'm excited for Fallout. It's the last big VR, uh, last one of the last big releases of the year on any platform, really. Uh, so I'm looking for that. I think that's next week or the week after. Yeah, exciting. All right, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now, right now. Bit of tabletop time now, and I am so pleased to welcome one of the designers of Seventh Continent and a founder and CEO of Sirius Pulp, Bruno Sauter. Bruno, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. I'm a huge fan of the Seventh Continent, and uh, it, it, it really has become one of my favorite board games of all time. And I'm so impressed with the systems. I'm so impressed with the world you have created. And we're going to dig into all of that. But first, I'd like to talk a little bit about you and how the game came about. Uh, I know it's been a long gestation period yeah. for the Seventh Continent, but it's your third game, right, with you and, and your partner? Yes, it's it's our first third game. Uh, it's been for the Seventh Continent four years in the making. So basically two years more or less before the first Kickstarter campaign that occurred in uh, 2015. And then one year and nine months in the making to uh, finish designing the game, manufacturing it, shipping it from China to our bakers all over the world, and then uh, doing all the dealing with the the after sale issues and uh, and hopefully mm-hmm. having good reviews. Yeah, and and uh, you have I should have said right at the top here you have just finished up your second Kickstarter which. Ended at over seven million dollars, which congratulations yeah, for that. Exactly. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's been it's been a crazy crazy year. Um, we we wanted to we, we when we worked on the Seventh Continent, uh, the first uh, base box and then the expansions, we had so many more ideas that we wanted to to bring to to the players, uh, especially one that in, in, um, implied to play with uh, like a hot air balloon. To explore mm, right. the sky and stuff, because we, the game uh, is about uh, exploring a mysterious world, like kind of a Jules Verne world. So, Jules Verne, as uh, you 
most likely know, made all those books we about travel in a balloon and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was a kind of homage to, to, to Jules Verne. And uh, we said, well, uh, if the game is appreciated when it is released, then why not keep on our journey to the seventh continent and uh, end this uh, with a second Kickstarter in which we will have this new expansion, which brings new ideas that we had along the, the way. And, uh, and yes, it was a tremendous success and we are very proud and happy uh, to see that uh, what we, the game was designed to be what the type of game that uh, my associate and I would love to play. And unfortunately, uh, since we designed it, we will never play it the way <laughs> that it was real. You have to, sometimes you have to make concessions to, to make things happen. And this is, this is what, uh, what happened here. And I would I would guess you will inspire a, a, a bunch of games like it though. I think it it with its success and with uh, the amount of praise that the Seventh Continent is getting, I suspect we'll see a lot of games that borrow heavily from the mechanics that you guys have innovated. Yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's quite difficult to. It's a lot of work to. And, and in our days, apart from Kickstarter, that allows us small publishers to to go for crazy ideas like this one. By crazy, I mean uh, you, you have to work two years before earning the first cent for your job. And, uh, and it's, it's, it means a lot of hard work. My associate does all, he's a co-designer of the game and also he does all the artwork. So lucky us, uh, he was on the, on the team. And it was easier for us to, because we couldn't have afford someone to, to, to do hundreds and hundreds of uh, artworks. Right. Uh, before uh, earning uh, at least one dollar, but it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been it's been quite a journey, uh, both in our lives and in the game itself, to 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 come to what what whatever we we managed to to achieve. Yeah, uh, we should mention your your associate is Ludovic Raudy, yes, right? Woody, that's, yeah, yeah. That's right. And you guys kind of grew up together and knew each other for many years. Uh, we we met when I was seventeen, so it's I'm forty now, so it's been yes twenty three years we've known each other. We we were both passionate gamers, and we met uh, playing games together. Um, and the thing is, we work very well together uh, because he's more like the artist, and I'm more like the, the businessman in terms of <laughs> who does what. So I'm more about taking care of manufacturing, communication, and writing, writing uh, texts and stuff, and is more about making videos or di uh, graphical design and artworks. And we, yeah. we do everything together, just the two of us. Well, most of it, we don't ship the games ourselves. We don't manufacture the games ourselves. But when it comes to designing and uh, creating the artwork and the texts and the whole book and whatever is in the box, it's mostly the two of us and some people who helped us uh, for proofreading the cards, for instance, translating them into English. Um, but uh, so, yes, we work very well together and we, we used to work before we had a company before Cyrus Pulp uh, in France. Uh, it was a communication digital agency. So we made websites for big companies. And so we've been working together for, yeah, I guess uh, 17 years now. Wow. Well, it's, it's incredible that, that you guys have brought so many innovations, I think, to the hobby because, um, 
Seventh Continent really feels so fresh on a number of levels. And I want to talk about each of them. First of all, what was the genesis of the idea? Was it the idea of uh, of exploring a, a one place that stays the same from game to game? Or what was the impetus for the design at the very start? Well, it was Ludovic's idea. Uh, he, had, he had an idea of, the, of this kind when he was a very young boy, obviously not with that scale. Uh, and then... Uh, in 2013, when we started working on this game, uh, we we had released already two board games that were uh, critical successes, but not financial successes. So basically, it was our last shot for us. We, we wow. were like, uh, okay, now we have only one more thing we can try. And if it works, uh, if it doesn't work, then we'll have to, to, to go back to our other <laughs> knowledge. We have to, to do another yeah. job. Your uh, job, yeah. And we said, okay, now uh, something changed in 2013, and uh, this thing was Kickstarter. So it allowed it ah. us to to say, okay, so now we can work on something without taking care of how much it's going to cost, how long it's going to take. Uh, basically, it, it it was like uh, a complete different approach from the one we had previously, because now we knew that we could, we would be able to uh, validate the concept before actually making it and manufacturing it. Wow. So with this in mind, we said, okay, so now we have no limits. So what is the game that we would like to play? And what game is missing for us uh, in the game, board game industry? And the answer was uh, an exploration game in which you actually explore, meaning you just... Right. You go to a place and this place will be there the, the day after when you go back to this place. So this was a very, very uh, central element of the of the, the design. And then we, Ludovic said, okay, so how do I do that? And quickly we arrived, very quickly we arrived to the choose your own adventure kind of mechanism, fighting fantasy uh, game books uh, where you have those, those chapters that take you when you read uh, at the end of the chapter, it tells you, okay, if you want right. to go north, go to chapter, blah, blah, blah. Or if you want to go east, right. to the other one. So we said, okay, let's replace the chapters by cards. And then whatever happens, you will take a number and the number will be another card telling you what, what's, what, what happens or where you go or what you discover. So mm -hmm. it seems to be the very key uh, element of the game design. And yet, this one was, uh, it was very quick. I mean, we worked, took us maybe one week to, to solve these issues and two years to solve everything else. From, <laughs> yeah, from random events, how do we deal with them? And what is uh, the sequence to make sure that players don't forget to solve them and it doesn't break the rhythm of the game? Uh, from uh, how can we split a group, especially when you want to go to somewhere else, you have to, to go in a, underground dungeon, how do we make sure that players are not on two boards at the same time? So lots of lots and lots and lots of things uh, were designed during those two years. And also we wanted the game to work very well uh, as well as solo as, uh, or as in a group. And uh, we are not too fond of uh, rolling dices when it comes to solo play because most of the time it's very punishing or you, you just skip this because it's like, oh no, I don't want to to lose because I, 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 I made the one on a D-Sax die. So we said, okay, no dice. And we love to to have our games very um, limited in terms of uh, different type of components. So if we make a, a game with cards, we try to make 95% of the content cards. 
if we make right. a, a, a game with dice and we'll have mostly dice in the game, we try not to have at the same time, okay, some cards, some tokens, some dice, some, some whatever. So uh, this one was going to be cards. So we focused on having a system that works with cards and uh, we came up with this idea of uh, an action deck where uh, the more you draw cards, the more success you, successful you will be, but the sooner you will die. With a, right. Which is a, something that allows you to not to cheat because you, you are like, okay, I, I don't have to cheat because I can draw so many cards if I want to. But then two hours later, you will you will face exhaustion, which is not easy to say in French. Exhaustion. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's it's such an elegant system, and um, I I wonder I, the thing that so impresses me about uh, Seventh Continent too is how thematic everything feels. I mean, you came to that system in a desire to want to have it remain card based, but it really does feel like that's how it would be if I was on this island. If I if something takes more effort, yeah, I have to keep trying at it longer, and it will bring me closer to exhaustion, and. Uh, there's so many elements of the game like that that feel like this is really how it would be. You know, when I look at a card and I study it and I notice a little number, you know, etched in the corner, it really does feel like I am searching around on the ground in a strange place. I am so impressed that you were able to maintain that theme throughout all the systems in the game. Well, thank you. It was a, one of our objective was to not lose the players in something like uh, for instance, no turn sequence. We didn't want the turn sequence to come. And so you have to resolve it like, okay, so when it comes to your turn, you have to one, do this, two, do that, three, do that. We wanted players to play and then someone else plays just like in the role playing game. And so it's, you never lose the scope of exploring and having fun. And you don't have to take into account like, okay, this is a refresh uh, step of the game turn. We didn't want that right. at all. Um, right. And uh, yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully we, we, we found solutions along the way to, to solve all the issues that, that we met and to, to make sure that um, as much as possible, everything that was uh, a kind of a mechanic of the game would also be a support for the, the universe itself and the thematic. So for instance, um, if you kill a bear, you hunt, you kill a bear, uh, you might get blooded. But we don't tell you, uh, okay, you've just killed the bear, so now you are full of blood. We say, okay, you kill a bear, you take card 105, and 105 says, okay, you're blooded. It means... We are not explaining people everything that is happening, but through the cards, when people uh, someone takes a card and says, "Okay, I'm bleeding, I'm um, I'm bloody," sorry, uh, okay, I just killed the bear, so obviously I, I I use my knife or whatever to 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 take the meat out and I put some blood on me. So, and later when you hunt, you have more risks of attracting predators if you are bloody. So once again, we are not saying. Oh, you have blood on yourself, so now we are you are going to attract predators. No, it's a, a mechanism that tells you that if you are bloody and you hunt, then when you you have to choose the cards you keep, you will have to to keep a, a predator card, for instance, uh, because you are bloody. So it's right. the other way around. Yeah, the the mechanism itself that that choose your own adventure, you know, go to page thirty seven or go to page one hundred and two. That numbering system itself 
serves as a way to be mysterious so that you don't, like you said, don't explain everything right up front. It all is unveiled as you explore the universe, which is so much more fun and exciting. Well, it's, uh, it's, I, it's something different. Ahead. For instance, if you compare it to other narrative games, such as in Time Stories, for instance, in Time Stories, mm-hmm. you are more about someone is telling you a story. Uh, in The Seventh Continent, it's more about you are living something. So we don't tell you what's happening every time you do something. It's more like uh, you do things, and then when the the game ends, for instance, if you play for one hour or two hours, you will be able to tell your friends, oh, I did this, and I went to this place, and oh, this is what happened to me, and someone else will tell you, oh, I went there too, but something else happened to me. Uh, I was like, oh, I was uh, almost dead, and then I I faced this uh, snowstorm or whatever, or uh, thunderstorm, and I, I found uh, uh, an animal that was uh, hit by the thunder, so it helped me survive two more cards, and then I find find some place to hunt. So it's like yeah. you are making making your own story, basically. So it's very different yeah, from the games in which which are very fine as well, but it's something different in which um, the the game tells you what's happening. So games such as Dead of Winter, small part right. of it, or Time Stories, or Tales of right. the Night. Those kind of games are more about you are a bit um, a spectator and you are listening to someone telling you a story. In Seven Continent, the story is less important. So basically, you, you won't be like, you, you won't understand possibly the and what's, at, what's at stake, but uh, what you will live along your journey will, uh, will be the story in itself. Yeah, and, and it works so well. As, as you said, I'm you know, you'll get into those situations. And I was always so impressed that it seemed so bleak. We were getting down to the lowest last few cards and we thought, oh my God, we're all going to die. We're going to run out of exhaustion. And then something would happen that gave us this, this ability to refresh our deck. And I have no idea how you managed to have that balance there that it seemed like at the last second, we would have this respite from, from certain death. And I was like, how did they know we would need this now? It, it, it all seemed to work so well. Yeah, it's, it's a very lot impressive. of work to balance, uh, to balance the game, especially when players can do almost anything. Uh, yeah. Yet we have some tricks. So we, there are some things that as uh, the, the gods of this universe, we can make sure. <laughs> so for instance, when we built the continent, uh, we made sure to choose wisely where to put the hunt places. So they are, they are not too close to one another and yet not too far away. So mm-hmm. we, we knew that how many cards people would burn between one spot to the other and it helped us decide, okay, so when they will arrive there, it might be a good place to hunt and we are going wow. to put this here. So, so it's kind of, it's game design basically, but uh, it's, uh, and and uh, and it's very, as I said, so for some players it's going to be a rough journey. For others, it's going to be more easy. It depends on the way also you 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 get into being a good survivalist adventurer in the in right. the wild. Uh, because <laughs> uh, depending on if you 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 take care of the footsteps you see on the terrain cards, that will help you find gear more easily, game more easily. Or the 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 way you play is very important on how much you will. Uh, survive. It's really a survival game also, apart from being an exploration game. Right. For sure. It feels that way. Um, and, and I imagine that there you have some crazy spreadsheet somewhere that ha- links all the numbers to one another. It was just the pure logistics of 
the numbering system a nightmare or did that work out easier than I would expect? <laughs> no, it's a nightmare. <laughs> but, uh, the good thing is once it's done, it's very easy to check um, to check if everything works almost uh, properly. Uh, so basically, yes, we have to make sure that everything works. So especially in a game where you can do something on day one, let's say of the adventure, and then 10 hours later, you will do something that is directly linked to what you did 10 hours before. So we have to, to bear in mind all those kind of situations, uh, especially when when you do something that has a definitive uh, outcome, uh, some, a consequence that is going to apply forever on the continent. For instance, if you if you meet someone and decide to kill the guy, the guy will always be dead. So we have to, to keep this in mind and not uh, have something that spoils this uh, along the, the way. Um, mm-hmm. Yet, once we add all the cards, we basically we put every card on the, the, the floor of our living room. So oh, it's, I guess it's a I guess it's a six meter square uh, surface when you put all the, the areas uh, at the same time on the ground. It was a huge map. Wow. And then awesome. you just basically you put one card after the other to make sure that every number fits and you don't come in a situation where when you have to go north, you take card, let's say, uh, 132, and then 132 is not meant to go there, so you know it's, there's a mistake. So it's, right. it takes time. Oh, man. It takes about a day to check every version of the game to make sure every number matches uh, the card it goes to or the event related. Uh, so hopefully we made very few mistakes, considering that I think we had 10 cards maybe with small mistakes on 1,355 cards as total. Wow. Uh, but yes, That's it was, a, it was, a, and we are, we are going through the same, uh, same thing now with the new expansion, especially it's worse now <laughs> because, uh, because now you can fly in this balloon. So the balloon allows you to basically land on several places on the base box which does exist already. Uh, uh-huh. Go back to the sky, explore new areas and land and go back to the sky and stuff. So we have to make sure that it all works together. Um, and that's only that's a fifth crazy. of all the it. cards we are designing. So, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, I love the game so much. And um, I, one of the things I think that uh, for my audience is, um, a little, I don't know, frustrating or, or disappointing is that you, you have no plans to sell the game other than Kickstarter. Is that right? No. Yeah. So the game, the game is very expensive to manufacture. So when it comes to classic uh, distribution, meaning uh, you go through a distributor that sells your game to a shop that sells the game to a final player or consumer, uh, we, we just, uh, considering the, how expensive the game is to manufacture and because we chose to have also, when you spend four years on the game, you want the components to be top of the, top of the hill. And, uh, in the end, the game is very expensive, especially because there are more than about 1000 cards in the base box alone. So it's, 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 it's very good paper. So, so this, this was not possible, unfortunately. Uh, and also we, yes, we, we think that we, we want to, to design other games using uh, what we we call now the choose your own pass uh, system, which is our mm-hmm. basically it's our, our game system that we've developed for Seventh Continent, but we really would like to explore it in other universes such as oh. say Med Fan, Med Fantasy or 
sci-fi because you could yes yeah, there are many things to explore there with new mechanism and, and, and so so basically we we've been working for four years on seventh continent and now we want to also try something else in the future so we are Does of course, focused, now that you've we are focusing on delivering the, the new expansion and the new content but once it's done we will start working on uh, other universities as well most likely yes Oh, that's so exciting to hear. Do you, do you think now that you've sort of uh, you know worked out the systems that building new content into that system will go quicker than it was the first time? Uh, it should be yes for for some aspects, especially for the because what took time really was to design the stuff as like as as I said, like uh, taking care of the sequence for uh, random events or stuff like that. Right. This is done, but if we go through new most likely, if we go to for new universes, some rules will have to change. For instance, if we if you play a knight uh, in a Medfan universe, he won't craft his sword, so we have to to find another way to to deal with that kind of stuff. But this is not much compared to all the work that has already been already being done to ensure that the system works. Um, so it should might be quicker, yes. Yet we'll have well, certainly... that will take time as well. So I don't know. Yeah, sure. Well, we, yeah. we we have this wish, but we haven't started really working on this. Uh, we are focusing on seventh continent right now. Sure. Well, I, I'm very excited, especially the idea of a, of a sci-fi version of this game. Oh my goodness, that would be that would be right up my alley. But I love the seventh continent. Uh, I thank you so much for spending time talking to me about it. it. It's such such a huge achievement. And uh, as I said, one of my favorite games of all time at this point. So uh, I'm really, really grateful that you guys put it out and uh, I hope more people will give it a, give it a try. Well, thank you for having us on the, on the show today. It was very nice to, right. to talk about what we, what we do because uh, uh, like most game designers and game publishers I, as well, I guess it's a, uh, in the end, it always comes to sharing the same uh, hobby and passion with uh, with our customers. So it's uh, it's just a win win situation. Awesome, that's well said. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Bruno. Thank you, Jeff. All right, guys, let's uh, let's wrap the show up now. We do have our parting gift coming at you, so stick around for that. But Anthony Taramina, thank you so much for being here. It's always fun talking to you, sir. Happy to be here. Uh, happy to you know vent about Destiny where I'm not just alone in my room. People are listening yeah. to me now vent about destiny. So you've no, we're just, we're just in Jeff's VR that's game. No one's listening. That's true. But yeah, thank you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Well, uh, are you, are you still playing destiny like on the regular or is it faded? Uh, it's faded. Um, it's, it's, uh, I probably play it like once a week, maybe. Um, I think I'll, I'll when Christian I'll, when Christian needs you to carry him through a raid. That's when you play. pretty much GD right. Well, I, I think part <laughs> of it is just you know like the difference between Destiny One coming out in 2014, which was like not a great year. This year, so much better, more games to play, so easier to like be pulled away. But I think now that things have died down, like through January, I think that I'll be playing more Destiny Two and like just kind of like using it as like a fun communal experience. Cool. Well, where can people keep up with you? I know you do a nightly stream and you've got stuff all over the place. So where can people find your work online? Uh, well, I'm editor in chief of gamerant.com. So if you want to support me or see anything related to my video game coverage, you can always read uh, gamerant.com. But yes, I do also, um, I try and stream uh, almost every night. I play 
any new game that you can think of, I play it on stream uh, outside of, you know, like some, I don't have the capacity to stream VR PC games, but I, from call of duty to battlefront to Lego Marvel superheroes too. I've, I've streamed it. So uh, facebook.com slash game rant is where you can see that. Uh, and then if you just want to hang out and hear what I have to say, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash a N T A O R M I N A. Christian, how about you? What do you got going on this week? If you're listening to this live here, uh, or as soon as it goes up and you're in Los Angeles, I'm doing a part of a great show Monday night at the Hollywood Improv called Glazed with a buddy of mine, Michael Glazer, who just recently wrote on, uh, he was in one of the marriages videos we did, Jeff. He was one of your gaming buddies on, right. uh, on, on one of those. And he also just wrote on Night of a Thousand Stars, the big HBO you know, telethon. He's, he's hysterical. Uh, happy to be doing that. It is Monday. And then now we're in December, so I can talk about it again with, uh, <laughs> more, uh, gusto the 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th Thursday through Sunday. I will be at wise guys in salt Lake city, um, with Justin Willman, who's just absolutely incredible. You've seen him on Ellen tonight show. I think tonight show, um, comedy central. He's awesome. And I'm, I'm very excited to be doing those shows. So if you are anyone, you know, are in around salt Lake city, check those out and then if you want a little bit of extra geeky goodness uh from me i do another podcast called at least 20 more minutes you can find at patreon.com slash christian spicer this week's is about punisher and um how i think that character works best and and how i think he sometimes does not work as well as he could jeff what about you well, I have several other shows for you to check out, including a daily video game show. You can listen to me, keep you up to date on all the news, including stuff we may not have time for here on DLC. Daily updates, uh, about 10 minutes a day. It's called Newest, Latest, Best, and you can find it anywhere you get podcasts by searching for Newest, Latest, Best, or by visiting anchor.fm slash NLB. You can find it there as well. And I do a uh, movie review podcast and TV shows. It's called the Slash Film Cast. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. We're talking about Lady Bird this week, which I know Christian yes. had as his parting gift last week. Um, an amazing movie. Wonderful movie. Uh, here's talk about that at slashfilmcast.com. I also do uh, a comedy science show called We Have Concerns, which you can find at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys. Let's uh, give the folks something to look forward to this week in our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is your parting gift. Anthony, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? I do. I have a uh, – it's a three-parter. Um, Ooh, step wow. one, I want everybody to find a copy, hopefully legal, of The Room. I want you to watch the room. <laughs> Step two this weekend, it's, it's expanding to local theaters. So if you live in like a major city, you'll probably be able to see it. I want you to go see the disaster artist and then step mm -hmm. three, get a copy of the disaster artist book. Read that book. Um, it's it'll change your life. All three <laughs> things will change your life all at once. I definitely can concur with all of those. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? Well, I I met uh, a listener out IRL today. We were enjoying the the wonderful Southern California weather, and Jerry came up and said hi. Jerry, great dude, really cool. I'm super glad he said hi. 
Um, he also said he always listens. So I'm making sure that Jerry listens all the way to the end, right? Jerry, you here? You, you listen to anybody? Uh, it was really cool, actually. I always love that. If you see me, please do. If you come to a stand-up show and, you know, it might take me a while to get off stage or out of the green room and come around and the front but it's just cool just out in public uh having a good time and, and jerry came up and said hi so i wanted to say hi but i said hi then too i didn't ignore him and be like wait till the show jerk <laughs> but i wanted to say hi back to jerry and give him a shout out and you then really also, are uh, you really explained this whole jerry interaction in a lot of detail christian hey it's a, a lot of jerry talk on this episode you know how it goes jeff uh <laughs> on the seventh day god rested and on the 40th day <laughs> god said hi to but jerry that one makes uh, sense <laughs> yeah, that one does uh, yeah. it goes perfectly with the the sean's uh intro music for this segment a new dashboard confessional is coming it's not coming until february and the single's been out i think since november but i'd, I'd be remiss if i never mentioned it on here a new dashboard confessional album is coming and it's coming fairly soon oh cool hands down buddy it's a, I, it's a good was, song yes i remember them well Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We have a listener. Wait, no, no, no. I'm going to interrupt you again. Stop. Just you. I get that you love VR, but you've been a poo poo head this episode, buddy. I I have. It's weird. I was, I spent uh, the two hours before we recorded uh, at the um, urgent care with my son who had a fever. So I I may have been in a poopy mood. I apologize. Oh, damn it. Now I feel son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) I apologize to everyone. You just checkmated me. (laughs) Ah. Uh, he seems to be okay, but we are a little scared. Uh, um, I love like it, buddy. I'm sorry about that. Something fever. It was, it was rough. But you know what, Christian? Uh, I, I apologize for making you feel bad. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a listener-supported co- uh, um, parting gift. Uh, listener-supported? No. Listener. We have a listener call-in. No. That's a different show I do. <laughs> I can't even speak. We have a listener Parting gift. If you want to send in a parting gift of your own, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also, uh, any comment or question you might have, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Great place to send that as well. This comes from Aaron from Tallahassee, Florida. Aaron says, I have a music recommendation that seems appropriate for the show. You guys have mentioned liking The Midnight a few times. What, what? Christian, high five on The Midnight. Um, You're not high fiving me back? I high-fived you back. Okay, cool. Uh, I think both you and the other listeners would really dig The Proto Man. It's a Mega Man-inspired rock opera combining 80s synth goodness with the occasional Sergio Leone Old West vibe, lo-fi punk, and numerous other influences from bands like Queen, Styx, and Iron Maiden. Their live shows include a bit of fun melodrama, and their loyal following always makes for a very friendly and positive crowd. If you want a sample, I'd recommend listening to their song, Light Up the Night. But Their albums are each an act in a larger story and are a great listen from beginning to end. I usually find video game bands to, uh, uh, to rely a bit too much on their source material, but these guys and gals have taken a love of video game, uh, loved video game franchise and turned it into something completely new and fresh that stands as great music on its own merit. I can't recommend them enough to fellow gamers and fans of music in general. So thanks, Aaron. Uh, that's cool. I, I've never heard. I've never heard the Proto Man. I have heard of them, but I've never given them a shot. So maybe I'll take a listen to the Proto Man. My parting gift is a Netflix show that I recently discovered and have fallen in love with. That's more powerful than love. Love. It's called The Toast of London. 
this is a British show about a guy named uh, uh, an English stage actor named Toast, <laughs> who uh, is trying to get work, constantly having a hard time getting work, has to do other kinds of work. It's brilliant. It's ridiculous. I'd never heard about it, but it's already had three seasons. It is the, my kind of humor. It's absurd. It's self-referential. It's really inside baseball on being an actor and uh, being a stage actor and all that kind of self-indulgence that comes along with it. Toast of London. Can't recommend it high enough. It's hilarious. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Taramina and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those fun bumpers between each segment. Thanks to all the folks that hung out in the chat room. Remember, you can hang out with us. We're recording now Sunday evenings uh, around 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, Caffeine.tv slash Jeff Kanata. Twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. Uh, thanks to all of you who download the show and listen to it. We really appreciate it. Please do recommend us to friends. That is our only method of getting the word out on the show. So we appreciate when you do. We will see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>